My Take Radio this week is brought to you by Superhero Stuff, bringing you the widest possible selection on superhero merchandise from Marvel and DC, plus tons of pop culture merchandise as well. Use our promo code 14RADIO to save 14% off your order throughout the month of August. That's Superhero Stuff, and their website is SuperheroStuff.com. Microphones and headphones provided by Audio-Technica. To learn more, head over to Audio-Technica.com. The views expressed on this episode of My Take Radio do not reflect the views thoughts or feelings of the my take radio staff my take radio advertisers or my take radio content partners listener and viewer discretion is advised this coverage is live and uncensored so if you have any small children present you may want to have them leave the room What's up, guys? My Take Radio, episode 239 for Thursday, August 14th, 2014. Our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, our call-in number 347-324-3541. You can also use our feedback line, 347-815-0687. That's 347-815-0MTR. This week's episode of My Take Radio is brought to you by RageWorks. Rant and reviews about gaming, entertainment, and the works. Now, of course, you're probably wondering why that is. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot to discuss. I've been kind of keeping it on the back burner, and we're going to get into the big news for this week. So, uh, effective next week, most likely, I'm hoping maybe Monday, uh, My Take Radio will slowly but surely be absorbed into our brand new endeavor and that is RageWorks, rants and reviews about rating, about gaming, entertainment, and the works. Now, the beauty of this is that MTR will always be MTR. It's, it's, you know, it's what we started with, uh, July 2009, broadcasting live on Blog Talk Radio with shitty audio, moving to Mixler, making the jump to video, uh, 234, uh, well, 239 episodes under the belt, uh, we're rapidly approaching 250, and I'm proud of it. You know, I'm really, I'm really happy with what I've done. But I've realized that what we're doing with the site has become bigger. It's become bigger than four topics a week. It's become bigger than Facebook. It's become bigger than Twitter and maintaining those communities. It's become something where we're doing so many other things that the radio just the radio moniker doesn't fit now with this there's going to be a lot of changes in the coming weeks obviously our staff will remain the same 
uh, all of you guys that you know and love all so well, uh, the Buried Boys, Ben, Jay Santi, Slick, Andrea, Josh, uh, the Rightist, or Larry Mack from VGN, all of those talented individuals will remain part of the My Take Radio family and will now become a part of RageWorks. Now, with that said, what happens to MyTakeRadio.com? So we're going to start answering a couple of questions that I know a lot of you guys are going to have going with into the next couple of days. Uh, first off, MyTakeRadio.com will remain, but any content going forward, reviews, news, all that stuff will be going to RageWorks. You can check it out by heading over to RageWorks.net. Right now, the site is in preview, but if you are interested in getting alerts as to when the site goes live, definitely enter your email, and you will get a notification once the site is officially live. As of right now, we are tentatively scheduled to launch um, midnight on the 18th. That's Monday, but there's a couple of little details that we got to get settled first. And that may delay the launch by a day or two. But rest assured, August will not end without RageWorks being live. Now, as I said, MyTakeRadio.com will continue to exist, but it will no longer be dedicated to all the stuff that we cover. MyTakeRadio.com will now remain the hub and the location for our shows only, meaning you'll still be able to watch, listen, chat, and find past shows on MyTakeRadio.com. You're also going to be able to get access to MTR Beyond the Mic, MTR Behind the Mic, and The Buried Show, which is approaching its fifth episode. Quark and Blade definitely hitting their stride. Uh, episode four that they dropped this week was fantastic. I don't even say that because those guys are part of the team. Uh, these are these are two guys that, you know, obviously John Blade and I being related and Quark being pretty much family at this point. you got to look at it. These two guys came in blind, no no understanding of podcasting, nothing. All they had was a microphone and opinion, much like I did in 2006 when I started doing this, and they really have hit their stride. If you get a chance, definitely check them out. Obviously, we're working on tweaking audio and things like that, but for, for two guys that are coming into this fresh, they are definitely stepping their game up, so uh, props to those guys. Um, like I said, MyTakeRadio.com will remain the source for all our shows and gradually you're going to start seeing more of the shows on rageworks.net as well. Uh, one of the things we are going to do is any of the articles that are currently on mytakeradio.com until the site goes live will be published on both my take radio and on rageworks. So when rageworks goes live, all the articles that you know, or any articles you may have missed will be there. Social media wise, there will be a brand new Google plus page for RageWorks. In addition to that, there will be a brand new YouTube channel for RageWorks. The the idea is that we will be uh, migrating some of the video content from My Take Radio TV, and it will start residing on RageWorks going forward. So once all of that is live, we will definitely send out uh, an email blast and some social media messages to make sure that you guys have all the URLs necessary to keep up with everything that we are doing. Now, on the Facebook side of things, our My Take Radio Facebook fan page will remain active and it will continue to be a source for all the show-related stuff and any miscellaneous happenings that want to uh, be discussed there will continue to reside there, but we will be launching an official RageWorks fan page for those of you that are 
following the my take radio page as best as you can due to facebook you will be getting notified with a new url for that now on the twitter side of things we're a little bit conflicted as to what we want to do uh there's a part of me that wants to keep our my take radio twitter active obviously because it's such a huge uh huge part of the show but i'm also seeing that the audience that's there that's following us uh, pretty much follows us for our content. So what we may do is just switch um, the My Take Radio Twitter to RageWorks. We'll see how that's going to go. Um, in any event, once that goes live, we will definitely make that announcement as well. So there you have it, guys. My Take Radio officially uh, will be well will be gradually absorbed by RageWorks starting uh, next week and. Um, Everything going forward will be presented by RageWorks, including every show will have that. And that is going to be that's going to be it in the sense that I really I really sat down and I'm going to grow this as, you know, as a company full full on, you know, going uh, filing the name, getting all all the people down pat, trying to get all the officers and everything full on company. This isn't even a game anymore. A couple of reasons, like I said, number one, obviously, um, everything we did is just outgrown the, the, my take radio moniker. And the, the second thing is we just, we just wanted to take this to the next level. So, um, I'm very happy to make that announcement. I'm happy to share it with you guys. Um, if you want more information, like I said, rageworks.net, uh, make sure to check that out. Of course, uh, slick has been crucial behind the scenes doing some beta testing. Uh, so I definitely got to thank him for doing some beta testing and Josh as well. And a shout out to Josh from MMA Valor, who also did some beta testing, and Danny from Royal Flush Magazine as well. Just uh, trying to work all the bugs out. And like I said, we're, we're going to give you something so crazy, so awesome, full responsive navigation on the site. It's going to be mobile ready. It's it's going to be crazy. We're going to have an event calendar with all the stuff that we we want to keep you guys informed about. Uh, movie movie dates, uh, TV show premieres, new game releases, you name it. We're going to keep that on the site. It's going to be front and center. Uh, all, like I said, all the episodes are there as part of the RageWorks podcast network, which uh, that's uh, a separate announcement all its own. And once that's finalized, that's going to be that's going to be crazy as well. But like I said, that's going to encompass most of the shows that you guys already know, plus some other shows as well including um, some familiar names and and familiar faces that you may have heard on past My Take Radio broadcasts that are going to get in on this crazy ride. So uh, definitely I'm, I'm happy to bring this to you guys. I look forward to to really taking it to the, lex- to the next level. Um, the MTR staff, they're super pumped. Uh, we've been talking with a lot of the guys behind the scenes, and they're all ready to rock and roll. Uh, you know, the Buried Boys are ready to, to take it to the next level. Uh, definitely Ben Slick, uh, the rightist as well, uh, Andrea, Josh. It, it's it, like I said, I'm so so excited to really launch this and and take it to the next level. So there you have it. Like I said, keep track of all the URLs. Keep an eye on social media as we start changing a couple of things. Like I said, regarding the Twitter thing, we're uh, we're still undecided, but once we make a full a full commitment, we will definitely let you guys know. All right, so. A couple of things I wanted to talk about. Um, first and foremost, it's it's my sister's birthday today, so uh, happy birthday to my sister Jess, who turns 25 today. Uh, we 
got her a Wii U. Uh, for those of you that aren't familiar, uh, my sister, she has autism. So, you know, turning 25, you would think, oh, yeah, you know, 25, you got your whole life ahead of you. A little different, obviously. But um, we got her a Wii U with, uh, it, it was cool, actually. 300 bucks came with two games, uh, Super Luigi U, Super Mario U, and then my brother got her uh, Mario Kart 8, which I was... I was definitely super impressed with like I real as I was setting the system up for her I realized this is this game well this system embodies a lot of what I enjoyed a, about Nintendo just a, you know just a really calm and casual fun gameplay that they've always been synonymous with so definitely uh got the Wii U back on my radar and um who knows I may have to pick one up as well after setting it up for her but um very pumped, like I said, uh, you know, I, I dedicate this episode to her, obviously, because it's her birthday, and, um, you know, if, if, if I didn't do what I did raising them, I wouldn't sometimes have the guts to talk about all the craziness that I do on air, so um, definitely hype for that, and I did kind of want to get into, and this was just a crazy story, um, the, I, wa- I want to talk about what's happening obviously with with the passing of Robin Williams and I want to get into that in our entertainment segment but I do want to just uh preface it by saying that social media is an amazing wonderful and terrifying place and and the reason I say that is because on one side you have late breaking news at the drop of a hat and then on the flip side you got a a really really just a a crazy outlet of insane individuals. And I say this, obviously, um, Robin Williams passing being part of that, um, what's going on down South being a huge part of that. And then lastly, um, and, and this is the the crazy thing, what's going on with War Machine, which I want to discuss um, in our MMA segment, which is insane. Uh, what's going on with War Machine is without a doubt probably the craziest thing that I've heard in a while. Last week we talked about uh, Josh Grisby, a uh, former UFC fighter that uh, was arrested on charges of domestic violence. He pretty much uh, sicked his his pit bull on his wife. And I thought that last week that story would have probably been it. But obviously the war machine situation. When when you have Dog the Bounty Hunter, a guy whose skin pretty much is the is the has the consistency of this can. Um, pretty much saying that he is hunting for you. It's, um, you know, it's one of those things that we're going to, we're going to definitely get into because it is without a doubt the craziest shit I've heard in recent memory. And the worst part is that the uninformed media likes to use, oh, they assume that everything MMA related falls into the UFC. So... The first line of defense, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, you know, UFC fighter war machine. It's like, no, he's not in the UFC. He's not in Bellator. Bellator actually cut him loose. So, you know, crazy stories like this, even though a lot of people can can tell fact from fiction, it's very easy for people to be confused. I I had to correct a couple of coworkers. They're like, hey, what's up with that dude from the UFC that uh, beat up his his porn star girlfriend? And I'm like, first of all, he's not in the UFC Second of all, it, it it was just a very long and drawn-out explanation. So I want to get into that in the MMA segment. As always, uh, if you guys want to contribute to the conversation, um, feel free to call in 347-324-3541. Uh, 
or by all means, feel free to interact in the chat. A lot of our regulars are in there, plus some of our staff as well. I see that AZ is in there uh, mixing it up with our regulars and some of our staff, so definitely nice to see him in there. But yeah, we're going to get into that. Um, we got, uh, we're going to talk about Monday Night Raw, which was for the last show before a pay-per-view incredibly underwhelming. I'm sorry, it was. Uh, we're going to dig a little deeper into Alberto Del Rio's release because a lot of interesting news are coming out of that camp, um, especially some stuff with Rey Mysterio, uh, some stuff going on with uh, AAA in Mexico. We're going to get into that. Uh, gaming news, of course, post-Gamescom. We're going to try and get into some of that stuff. I know Slick is probably chomping at the bit to dig into that because there were a lot of great trailers, a lot of crazy news that came out. We got a one terabyte Xbox One on the horizon, which is crazy, and a white Xbox One as well. So we're going to get into that and the week's entertainment news. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which I reviewed, and so did my colleague, The Rightist, and a lot of you guys have been sharing and resharing uh, those reviews, and we're, we're deeply appreciative of that. Definitely helps get more views. We've had an amazing week of traffic on the site, so I'm glad you guys have been doing that. Uh, call a number 347-324-3541-347-324-3541. Let's get into the week's MMA news, shall we? My Take Radio's MMA segment is brought to you by MMAWarehouse.com. Get all your latest gear for training, whether it's for training, casual wear, you name it, they got it. Make sure to check out MMAWarehouse.com. You can get rash guards, hand wraps, training gloves, some of your favorite fighter tees. We got banners all over MyTakeRadio.com. You can see some of that stuff there. They got a great collection of shirts. Um, you know, definitely one of the things that I picked up from there was most of the, and this was in the beginning, a lot of the uh, the cool affliction design stuff. Now that I'm a little older, eh, not as much, but definitely official fighter tees, Venom Fightwear. I got my Vanderlei uh, Silva shirt from there as well, which I think I've worn twice on air, and I also got a Vanderlei Silva shirt for John Blade as well. But again, MMAWarehouse.com is our sponsor for this week. So last week, Ben joined us, and we talked at length about the brawl between Daniel Cormier and John Jones. Now, there were a lot of things that came out of this brawl that really kind of, it, it, it split MMA fans down the middle. I had a camp of guys that were saying to me that they had no issue with these guys scrapping because it generated interest for the fight. Then I had a camp of, of, of fans that were saying that this was really just a poor representation of the sport and it did the you know it didn't do the sport any favors me personally I feel that we need a level of theatricality to kind of get certain fights noticed and this is one of the things that we've noticed has happened over the last few years that a lot of the guys that were hardcore in your face the minute that the fight was announced fans were on board um, guys like Nick Diaz guys like Chael um Hell, Brock Lesnar, those guys, have not that I, a lot of them obviously have left or injuries have kind of limited their careers, but when you look at the current crop of fighters, Cain Velasquez, uh, Chris Weidman, um, Jose Aldo, Showtime Pettis, when you go down that list, you notice 
that a lot of these guys, they are marketable in terms of athleticism and fight prowess, but they're not marketable as personas. The only marketable fighters you have are fighters that are going out of their way to become villains. There's no better example of that than Ronda Rousey and John Jones. If you look at both of these fighters, they have turned the corner completely in terms of playing up the heel persona. Like I mentioned last week, they you know, in John Jones's camp, they've gone as far as reaching out to Paul Heyman just on learning the methods and the and the strategies for making fights sellable. And this is something that I've noticed has been the um the name of the game going forward. So me personally seeing that is is really something great to see. But the the fallout from this fight, you know, the the Cormier Jones scuffle was not met positively by guys even in the UFC organization. Joe Rogan himself spoke out against it, and he said that it's real bad for the sport, it's bad for public perception, and on top of that, it's a weapon that can be used for MMA. So definitely very, very interesting. And, um, you know, for John for John Jones and for Daniel Cormier, obviously the, the, the sell for this fight was huge because I'm sure there's a lot of money at stake, but for a guy like Joe Rogan, a representative of the organization to step out and say that he felt that it was just a poor representation of the sport really paints things in a very, very interesting light. But before we dig into that a little deeper, I see that um, Andrew's on the line, so let me bring him in, and uh, we'll see what he's got to add to the discussion for this week. AZ, what's up? What's going on, brother? What's going on? You tell me, man. We got War Machine beating up porn stars. We got fights getting derailed. We got Chael rumored to have been pitched to the WWE after his interview with Jericho. It's it's a fucking madhouse this week. So this what, is this is a great week for MMA for any 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 old school MMA fan. I mean, this is phenomenal, positive and negative. It puts them in the limelight. It puts them in the news. You're building characters. Absolutely, characters are something that, like I was saying, have been lacking after a lot of these ca- after a lot of these fighters fell by the wayside. I mean, Ronda and John Jones have pretty much had to step out and make themselves characters in order to keep the sport breathing. Yeah, and, and you know what? These two, uh, Ronda's probably, uh, and and I know a lot of uh, UFC purists are going to disagree with me, but I think Ronda's been the best thing that has happened to the UFC in years. I think so because you have a, a woman, you have an athlete who's charismatic, has a, a take no prisoners attitude, and she goes in there and until somebody puts her on the mat and beats her, she you know she's undefeated. Last fight was the equivalent of a of, of a gif, you know. But you know you know what's interesting about the UFC? You look at someone like Chael, right? I mean now I mean he has a two year ban, but you look at someone like Chael, which. He gets his ass handed to him almost every other fight that he fights. Yep. And this guy is a draw. I mean, he goes out there, he, he, he talks, he, he BSs as much as he wants, and you know what? You're paying to get it to watch him get his ass handed to him. Absolutely. That is the definition of a draw. He knows his role. Uh, and, and I just had this discussion with someone this, tonight about how it shouldn't become pro wrestling, but you have to remember this is the UFC is in the dip. Yep, absolutely, it's it is. not. It's not 2005 anymore. Nope. There's oversaturation. There's lack of legitimate stars that are getting you those those million buy rates. I mean, the last U. I mean, UFC 100 
is probably the gold standard of MM of mixed martial arts pay per view. I mean, you had Brock Lesnar on Man, that who, card. Who was on that card? You had Brock Lesnar. Who was on that card? There you go. You had Brock Lesnar. You know, you had a you had a multitude of amazing fighters. It was it was without a doubt. Yeah, like what a one point two buy rate. I believe it was a one point two, if I'm correct. Um, I want to try and, and and pull up the numbers for that, but yeah, it was it was I think one point two, almost two million buy rate. Uh, oh, it was a one point six. They had a five million dollar I mean, gate. Phenomenal. One million, uh, a five million dollar gate they made, and again. Brock, I mean, when's the last time the WWE drew a 1.6 on a paper? Yeah, not happening. And and again, Brock Lesnar, yeah. Frank Mir was your main event. GSP was defending his belt. Dan Henderson pretty much killed Michael Bisping in that in that fight. Everything about that card was amazing. And again, the date of that card, July 11th, 2009. I, it, this is the bottom line for UFC. They need to create. Sorry, I spoke about it today on the on, on Matt. The problem with the UFC right now is that it is the lack of stars, not the lack of, of, of fighters, nope. because they have phenomenal fighters, and yes, the sport sir. is better than ever. The problem is they don't have stars. Yep. And how do you create stars? With personality. How do you create personality? You do what, what John Jones is doing. You have to. John Jones, the, the crazy thing was when, he, when him and Cormier had the exchange with the mics, where the mics were allegedly off, it was probably the truest representation of John Jones we saw, because Daniel Cormier was you like, know what? "I guarantee you that was a work." It probably was a work because, come on, you know that the mics are going to be on. But what I liked about it was the fact that Daniel Cormier was like, "Dude, if you were here, I'd legit go spit in your face." And John Jones was like, "If you did that, I'd I'd have to kill you." Like it wasn't even a question of, "Oh, you know." I'll beat your ass when we get in the... No, he was like, I will kill you. <laughs> and, that, and you know, when you hear that, you're like, holy shit, like, the hate is real. But you look at other guys that... It's interesting because the, the bad guys, the heels, are the things that are, that are standing out. You look at the Diaz brothers, you look at Nick Diaz, and yep. this guy's a heel. Absolutely, bonafide through and through, and and it's funny because you know he, you meet him outside of the cage and he's a nice guy, but when that when that switch goes on and he's in fight mode, he's all about shit talking, giving the finger. I mean, but you look at the card and and all the heels are the ones getting the attention. I really think they need to start training their fighters to, uh, you know, create their brand and create their profile and Absolutely. create who they are. Absolutely, uh, and and this is a problem. You know, they they've commented on this before. Daniel Dan, uh, Dana White has commented and said, you know, I don't want this to become the WWE. It's not about the personalities. Bullshit. And we saw it the is. slack that Brock got on that first promo he cut after his after his first win. Yep. You need to create these personalities. Absolutely. And you look at all the draws in UFC, the history of UFC. There's only a few purest fighters that have stood out. Yep, it's, and, it's rare. The and even when they did, they had a gimmick. Personal character base. Even when they did stand out, even when they stood out with technique, they had a gimmick. Like Chuck Liddell had the Mohawk, you know, the hard partying. You know, Randy Couture was the All American guy. There was still a gimmick. The natural, yeah. You know what I mean? It was still it's a gimmick. Tito, Tito was. I mean, the bad boy. You know what, what yep. was his name? The Huntington Beach bad boy. That's I mean, correct. They all had a character, and this is something that we need to we need to think about. Yeah, well, um, Chael is one of the most fascinating uh, MMA fighters 
in the, in in this new era because of his personality, not because of his fighting. Nope. He's a mediocre fighter. I mean, he's a he's a decent fighter, but yep. he's not great. He's a he's a good fighter, a great wrestler, but an amazing hype man. Great hype man, well, absolutely. Well, you know what it is. I think, and and we talked about this uh, two weeks ago. I said that maybe these fighters, when they go to these media camps that the UFC puts on to get them to to learn how to use social media and to not stick their foot their foot in their mouth, um, they really should have them take like improv classes, interviewing classes. Just to learn how to work Absolutely. with the media, how to work the mic, how to work the press. Because those are the guys that will get you famous. I mean, we saw what happened with boxing. Yep. And at this rate, due to the the amount of shows that the UFC... How many shows is the UFC putting on a, a year? Well, dude, in the four month of August... Shows a year. In the month of August, we got four shows. I mean, that's insane. Yep. Four shows in August we've had already. We got one this that's coming like Saturday. Doing a brain expansion, expansion in in, uh, in Asia now. Yep, they're doing expansion in Asia. They're launching a brand new women's division, uh, straw weights, uh, which is getting their own season of the Ultimate Fighter, which is probably going to be the best season they've had because all those women are incredibly talented. And the best part, they all fucking hate each other. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I mean it's. It, they, it's a lot of product on television. Yep. They're competing. It's an uphill battle. Initially, for that boom period in the mid-2000s, it was the fact that it was this myth of what the UFC was, and it was off TV and was banned, and now it's back. That's what drew a lot of people. But, I mean, the fighters, like I'm saying, the Chuck Liddell's and the Tito Ortiz's and uh, the Randy Couture's is what drew people to watch the shows, but... They had a couple good years that they had major league fighters, and now these yep. guys have gotten old, or they're no longer you know the main eventers. That's right. And they have not created new stars. No, I agree a hundred percent. There's I mean, the... it's only it's it, it, it's fascinating because wrestling and MMA are so different, but they're so like uh, WWE suffers some of the same exact thing. Oh yeah, I mean, well, you know what it is? It's cyclical, and you already see WWE's trying to create these new guys. You know, the Kevin Steen signing, the Prince Devitt signing. The, um, you know, the Kenta signing, okay. the UFC is doing the same thing with, uh, Henry Cajudo and, and, you know, they're trying to create these new stars, you know, the, the, the strawweight division, um, airing Invicta women's MMA on their UFC fight pass. They're, they're both. And, and as much as they try to say they're not competing against each other, they are because that 18 to 49 That's demographic cool. is the money demographic. These are the guys that will go to the bar and spend money in bars watching pay-per-views, but these are also the guys that will come home and buy the merch and buy all the shows and watch every season of The Ultimate Fighter. You know what, Richard? I'll tell you something. The biggest star currently in the MMA, in, in all of MMA, is Rafi. Yep. Rafi is the biggest star that they have. Yep. And, I mean, that's... That, that, that's great. It speaks volumes about the product, but it also speaks volumes about the negative about the product because it is a division that has no other fighter. Nope. Every every woman that's that's in that division, the uh, Ronda Rousey, I'll be honest, has four fights that she'll take, and after she takes those four fights, I wouldn't doubt if she retires. Oh, let me see. Was that was that Andrew? Did Andrew drop out, or was that Blog Talk? Ah, Blog Talk Radio dropped out. Hold on a second, guys.
Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Please enter your host pin. When finished, press the pound key. Because that's the kind of shit that happens. Since it appears you're calling back into a live show, we are reconnecting you now. Oh yes, good old Blog Talk Radio strikes again. Andrew, if you want to call back in and finish that thought, you're welcome to do so. Um, My apologies, getting cut off mid-stride. But what Andrew was saying about Ronda Rousey being the marquee fighter that they had, I will say this, and he is 1,000% right. She has five fights on the card on her on her contract that if she takes she could she could probably um she could probably retire and that those are uh the cyborg fight the holly home fight and the gina carano fight other than that um you know those are the only fights that she's got left after those fights are done it's game over i see that andrew dial back in az hey brother yeah man as i as you know, as I was saying before we got cut off, Rousey has five fights. You know, Cyborg. Um, you have Cyborg, you have Carmouche. Yep, if they, if they, if Carmouche probably will be a good rematch, but the, the payday fights are going to be Cyborg, uh, Holly Holm, who the UFC already signed, and Gina. Those are like the Gina, three big paydays. Like she has four payday fights. Yep, oh, and of course the Cat Zingano uh, fight. They're probably going to keep Cyborg till the end. Absolutely. So Cyborg is probably going to be fight number four. But what do you do after she beats Cyborg? Dude, she'll retire. She'll probably retire, take yeah, her ball, and go it. home. She'll retire because she said in an interview recently that she wants to be the the female equivalent of The Rock. She wants to cross over. And, and you know what? She has the capability of doing it because there's nobody else in the division that could fight her. Nope. Nobody so else is out there. four fights. Uh, I mean, by the time she fights Cyborg, Cyborg is going to be much older. They're going to keep her t- till the end if she passes the drug test. This is true. Uh, and and I and I do believe that she's a better all-around fighter than Cyborg. Uh, she'll beat Cyborg, and then she'll retire and like, go into pro wrestling. That's, that's pretty much it. I mean, she's been courted pretty heavily. I mean, by uh, Paul Heyman's kind of spoken highly of her. A lot of, a lot of wrestlers speak highly of her as an athlete. I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt that if she decided to make the transition, WWE would take her in a heartbeat because she understands the 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 character aspect of it, and not only that, she understands just the gimmicks. She respects the gimmicks and she respects yeah, the business. You know what it is? She doesn't want to work three hundred and twenty-five days a year. She doesn't. But you know what it is when they put a they, when they put a check in front of her with a certain amount of zeros, dude. That's not going to mean a fucking thing. Yeah. You know, like that's. But you know what the thing is? By that time, by that time that they contact her and she's ready for that, she already has enough money in the bank where she doesn't give a crap. Yep. Like it, if, it's gonna be. It's gonna really come down how much she wants to be a pro wrestler. Yep. The same thing with Chael. I mean, that was fascinating. She was. Uh, he was on talk with Jericho this week, and that's he, right. You know, and, and most of it, in my opinion, is probably Chael being Chael. Right. But Chael pretty much said that an executive from the WWE called him. And pretty much told him, like, hey, listen, we're not interested in you, but if TNA is interested in you, then we're interested. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what it was? Those those drug test issues were a problem. And I think that once that stink kind of wears off, probably in another year, they'll circle around and, and bring him in. Because you're, you're dealing with a guy that can probably make an invaluable asset to your training team in NXT. This is a guy that has genuine charisma 
and has zero people teaching him mic work. You can't give yeah. that skill up. You can't give that skill oh, up, and, and that's you know that's needed. You know, and you have to look at this. I mean, he's one of the few that got caught. Nobody's getting caught for HGH. Right, and he admitted. He said, he's like, listen, I used the shit. I just used it during a period where I thought I wouldn't be tested, which was uh, at the 44-day mark that he said in the interview. He was like, listen, everything that I got caught with was legit and I had prescriptions for. I just shouldn't have been using it if I was going to fight. And I, and I understand that. Yeah. He, he, he admitted, he's like, listen, I tried to game the system. I figured I had enough time between fights and everything to, to use what I got to use and be done. But he was like, I backed it up. I had... I, he is the only fucking guy that got bagged and got offered a job by the commission. How, how insane yeah. is that? It, 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 here's the thing about this. They're all using. Yep. In my, in my personal opinion, I, I, I have no knowledge of this, but in my opinion, all of them are using. They're just not getting caught. A majority right. of them are using, and they're just not getting caught because they know how to game the system. Right. The same thing with wrestling. Yep. You look at you look at the pro. You, as someone that is into bodybuilding, and that's someone that's into fitness, I could tell you there's no way a five foot nine guy is naturally cut at two hundred and forty pounds. Yep, and not only that, but here's the kicker: naturally cut year round. Because you and I can year attest, round. you and I can attest to the fact when we get a little lean and we start showing some lines, all it takes is one bagel. All it takes is one Dude, slice of bread. Twelve weeks on, twelve weeks off, right? That's it. You know, all it takes That's is all it is. But but the problem is, we we would do the twelve weeks, but the twelve weeks that we're off, we're we're not gaining anything. We're we're actually losing muscle. But if you're on growth, you're gaining for that twelve weeks that you're on, or the six weeks that you're off. Yep. There's no better. There's no better example of that than when you look at Batista when he first ran in the company. You remember he had the distended belly. It was kind of pushed out a bit, and then he took yeah. that leave of absence, became super lean when he started fighting, and then he came back and he wasn't. He was the animal, but he wasn't the same. Well, I give you a great example, okay, of a guy right now, Colin Cassidy in NXT. Yep. Good example. This guy is—he's—he's a—he's a lanky dude. Yep, he's and like Tess. You watch him on NXT. He has all the the gives of being on something. Yep. He has the chest acne. His chest has bulged a little bit. He's gotten bigger in the chest. He's gotten wider. Right. Everything that all those ideas of of what makes someone uh, you know obvious that they're doing steroids—it's very obvious with this guy. Well, last week I shared a picture and, of... And I don't care. I mean, don't, don't tell me that it's, oh, yeah, it's just uh, he shaved his chest. No, bullshit. I, I shared a picture of Vitor yeah, Belfort a... last week. And Vitor, you know, he's known for the TRT. Dude, you look at him now. He looks, yeah. You know, he looks, he looks like a completely different human. Completely different human being. Not the same. I'm one of the few that's for this. I think it actually... I'm not against growth. I'm not against getting bigger uh, if it helps the product. Right. Well, that's what I used I to say about of, baseball. A lot of people, I, and, and I don't blame you for having this opinion if that's what you have, but I know a lot of people are against it. They consider it cheating. But in professional wrestling, you're, you're not, there's no advantage to being on steroids because right. it is not a real sport. 
it's more of a television show. Right. So what's the difference between Dave Bautista taking steroids and Sylvester Stallone taking steroids for his role? Nothing. That's right. The problem is it's that no different. They're in, the problem is that WWE, and this is part of what, and, and you've mentioned this on Matt Men, and we've talked about this, they're so, they're so enamored with getting you know the kids' dollars and mainstream acceptance that they know that they can't pr- promote things for kids and then have their superstars juice to the fucking gills or or guys dying because of steroids or whatever like like it's a, but, it's but what's a, the difference between what's the difference between uh you know Triple H taking growth something that's prescribed to him or one of the divas going and getting botox oh it's no different i mean uh, it's no different There's than no th- difference at all it's no different than Nikki bella going up three boob sizes yeah, I mean, it's, it's a cosmetic change. It's a visual change. The, yeah, I mean, there's, there's side effects with all of them, obviously, but the reality is it's, it's nearly identical. No, they're, I, they're not, the, the commissions, the state athletic commissions aren't saying, well, you know, this is a risk to you and that's why we're regulating it. No, it's, it, they're regulating it because it's a, it's a sport advantage. That's right. It's a, it's a, it's a sport, it's an advantage in sport. But I also I'm a, I'm a realist when I say that human growth hormone and steroids don't enhance talent. If you're a good fighter, they do not enhance talent at all. Nope, they no. don't enhance talent. I mean, Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, it's not going to help them hit the ball. Nope, hand-eye coordination, not if so they much. They lack the ability, then they lack the ability. Right, power, power, yes. Hand-eye coordination, no. Like you. For those guys to still hit, you still need a portion of hand-eye coordination in addition to power. Yeah, the power is going to be there, but you also got to think, and I'm glad you bring that up. When McGuire and Sosa were running uh, the the home run the home run race, that was a a golden age for baseball. That was asses in seats yeah, in every stadium. Yep, it was asses in seats. It was money in everybody's pockets, and yeah, we all know. We all know the deal, and it, and it's the same thing. It's like, well, you know, Babe Ruth broke records, and he had a beer belly, and he wasn't in shape, and it's true. But that was because you're yeah, not enhancing Ruth, ability. But the, but the caliber of athlete that Babe Ruth was playing against was not there. And you know what? Babe Ruth yep. was drunk at the time he was on that field, <laughs> so was that an advantage? No. It, it, yeah, you could say that. It's like, why, why not? Why couldn't it have been an advantage if he was a little hammered? I, am, I, am I wrong? It, it, technically... Right. Technically, if you're fighting in the UFC, you cannot take a pain pain pill no. before your fight. Nope. No. No pain pills. That is no an nothing. advantage. Yep. Well, that's kind of what they were looking at with weed, because with weed they were saying that you know if if you smoke a bowl or whatever that it, it may it may prohibit you from feeling pain, which I mean it's Absolutely. up for debate. You know that's up for debate, but I can understand the validity of that. But I also feel that. The guy's not going to toke up before he walks out tomorrow, you know? Yeah, but you know what, though, Rich? He may take two or three uh, Percocets right before a fight. Oh, yeah. If, if a dude and takes a couple of Percocets. And, and, and it not only affects your pain tolerance, but it's also going to affect your mental state, so you're going to take more risks. Absolutely. And those risks may be an advantage if you're going in unprotected for, you know, a takedown. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, there's definitely it, it's weird because the supplement stuff falls into such a crazy thing. That's why, like with Chael, he was like, "Hey, this was all stuff I was legit using because I was off, I wasn't competing." And they were like, "Yeah, but you were still using it." 
So, you know, it, it, it was such a gray area, and the commission just going after him, I think the commission just got tired of him having an excuse, and they just wanted to make an example so that none of these other guys would try and say, oh, I got one nut, or oh, I'm trying to have a kid. Like, they didn't want the laundry yeah. list of excuses that Cheo had that were legitimate. Like, he's like, yo, I got one nut, yo, I'm trying to have a kid, oh, this, oh, that, doctor's prescriptions, the commission was just like, yo, we're fucking done. <laughs> we're done with you and your shit. But guess what? Now, now you, now you've lost the John Jones fight, and you've lost the Chael fight. Yep. Now Ch- Chael is out. So Jones what is. What are you going to do for, your, for the next show? It was the, that John Jones fight was huge. I mean, now they're they're saving that for the next year. Uh, you know, that's going to be a 2015. Like January third, right? Yeah, January third, 2015. It's like, all right, great. But your 2014 fights, you got some good fights, but you don't. You're not going to have fights. That are going to get you into what we were talking about, you know the the one point the one point million dollar you know one point x million dollar buy rates. It's not happening. No, nope, it's not happening. And I liked what Paul Heyman said. Paul Heyman was like, "Oh, you know, if Brock Lesnar was healthy, he would have still been running the in the UFC." And I'm like, to a degree, I agree. But I also felt that Brock Lesnar wasn't trying to to enhance his his uh, his skill set either. He just came to the conclusion that he was no, big. No, but you have to also remember that that heavyweight division is, is lacking. Oh, yeah. Back then, dude, when Brock was running shop in there, it wasn't what it was now. Like, now you got now you got a lot of hitters in there, you know, between uh, JDS, Kane. You, you got a lot of dangerous, dangerous human beings. But when, when Brock was running yeah. the division, that's why the UFC poured so much money into it because they knew that they had a division at the time that was lackluster. Yeah, and you know what? They were dying to get Fedor, and that did not happen. Yep, I like uh, Heyman shed some amazing light on fight. that. Heyman was like, you know, we had that fight. We were going to do it in Cowboy Stadium, and then Fedor's dad died, and he stopped. He he, he his passion for MMA died with his father, and that was amazing. And, and that was only like a year and a half ago. Yep, it was amazing that that Heyman said that. It. Oh yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, dude. I, I I for sure would have paid money to watch Fedor Lesnar in Cowboy Stadium. Oh, yeah. hundred thousand people. Oh, I dude. would have paid money for that. They would have sold out that stadium immediately. That would have been that would have been just a recipe to print money at that point. We're in a we're in a you know, you know and you know what? There's a good yeah. I in theory, Fedor would have killed Brock, but Fedor is much older than Brock, right? And that would have been a really good fight. That would have been an amazing fight. I mean, everybody thought Randy Couture was going to beat Brock with experience, and Brock just used sheer brute force. So to see something yeah. like that with him and Fedor, who was even more skilled, would have just been amazing. Tremendous stuff, man. The sport, the sport is in a is in a crazy place. I d- I did want to set run this by you. We got um. You know, you got Ronda in the Expendables this weekend. You got all this. You got incredible star power. There's a rumor that for the fourth Expendables, we might see Hogan in there. <laughs> oh, man, that would be great for me. Oh, uh, I, fig- I figured I figured I'd share that with you. Just suburban commando Hogan in there. <laughs> well, why not? I mean, he's, 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 you know, Mr. America. I mean, really, if you think about any action hero, you think of Sylvester Stallone, you think of Arnold Schwarzenegger, yep. you think of The Rock, and you think of Hulk Hogan. Yep. Well, The Rock allegedly said he wants to be the bad guy. He's Mr. America. I wouldn't. I'd love to see that dude. Hogan in the Expendables would be ridiculous, just because he's he's right he's right there. You know what I mean? I sixty year old dude. Fuck it. You know, strap on a flank jacket and go out there with your with your doll hair. Well, we, 
What do you think of Hogan wanting to make another run? I think he should cut the bullshit and stay home. <laughs> Collect the I paycheck mean, and stop. Wants another, he wants one last run. Dude, if he if he does a run to put like Cena over and pass the torch, the problem is that that match is going to be the most simplified match known to mankind. And it, it just it's just going to be a slap in the face in Hogan's legacy. It's like, dude, accept, accept that you're done and stop it. Like, well, there's two things. One, he never had that send-off match that true. a lot of other guys have and will have. I mean, like, Sting is going to have a send-off. If Rock wants him to have it, Austin had his, Flair had his, Michaels, Undertaker, he's never had his. Right, but you know what it is? The minute that you say it's a send-off match, everybody, every, not to say that the outcome isn't going to be known anyway, but you're looking at it from the from the vantage point of shit. We know what it's gonna be. We know the outcome, and the guy's just gonna make this match the most the most elementary match, the most elementary level match possible. You know, the dude's gonna have to run into his clothesline and run into the boot. You know what I mean? Like it, it was it was weird. You know what though? They already have your money. So does it really matter how <laughs> much of a wrestling match it is? You're still gonna buy that pay per view. You're still gonna tune in. You oh yeah, Hogan and Cena. You know, and that's the send up. You're gonna watch it. I, I am gonna tune in, but you know what it is? I also look at it, and I said this before with Daniel Bryan. I look at these guys just physically. Like, is it worth it? For, for that for that one hour of enjoyment that that guy may may never be able to walk again or, or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like like Daniel Bryan, everybody's like, oh, he's rushing to come back, he's rushing to come back. And I said, you know what? I'd rather wait for him to come back and he's fully recovered than have him rush back. His career is cut three years shorter than it should be, and then I can't enjoy matches that, you know, we can only dream of. You know, Bryan and Kevin Steen or Bryan and Prince Devitt. You know what I mean? Like matches that we know are going to happen, we may never see if... People want to rush these yeah. guys back, you know. So I'm, I'm, I, I'm willing to take that risk. It's like, yeah, I'd love to see, you know, Hogan and and the Undertaker one more time, you know, because that's an amazing match. Or or Sting and the Undertaker. This this next WrestleMania is not going to be the one. It's going to be 32 because they're in Cowboys Stadium. Yep, 32 is going to be and ridiculous. You have to remember, they need to sell a hundred and ten thousand tickets. That's right. Well, that's and what that I mean. Is tremendous. Well, in order for you to get that, probably you're probably going to need to do Sting Taker, Brock and Rock, maybe a Daniel Bryan run. You know, like that's the kind of stuff. Like, like you're going to have to Austin, build maybe Austin. Yeah, maybe an Austin, maybe a final Austin match. I think that would probably. I think Austin would be the guy that would get CM Punk to bring his ball back into the ring to close it out. I mean, listen, it it, it has to be. It has to be a tremendous card of draws. I mean, you yep. have to load that card up to sell 110000 And you know what? Forget about the paydays. Forget about the people that have been there all year. Yep. McMahon wants to break his WrestleMania uh, three record. Yep. They, they, he wants to break that. He wants and it so badly. It's been very difficult for them to do it over the last 30 years. So why not attempt to do it? No, I, th- I think it's true. I mean, you're you're definitely on to something. Um you know, the, there's there's a lot of star power there. They got a lot of great talent. And I was saying before, you know, all these signings of, of these really, really great, uh, healthy wrestlers. You know, they're not the big jack dudes. These are the guys that are that have longevity on their side because they know how to how to wrestle correctly. 
You know what I mean? You're not doing a mass production of, you know, action figures. You're doing legit athletes that are going out there and putting in work. Look at Kevin Steen, dude. Kevin yeah. Steen is probably the the antithesis of any dude that's on that roster, but his wrestling is out of this world. He's going to wrestle circles around those guys. Yeah, and, and you know, the pro wrestling is totally shifting, and I'm so glad that uh, Triple H has had the vision, and I don't care what people say about Triple H, but this guy's turned this company around in the last six months. Yep, he has. He's he has. really changed the entire direction of what developmental should be and who should be on TV. I mean, Dean Ambrose and, and Seth Rollins are two guys. Moxley and, and Breeze, uh, Tyler Black are two guys that, I didn't see being signed to, to the caliber that they've been signed. Absolutely. I mean, those are those are guys that are, but you know what it is? They're also padding it with, they're, they're also what you were saying, doing a lot with developmental. Like, developmental is actually giving us guys that we genuinely give a shit about. You know, like, we yeah, give, absolutely. like, we, but, but here's the thing. Why are we giving a shit about them? Because they've developed their character, their wrestling stuff. Dean Ambrose wrestles and acts the same way that John Moxley did. Yep. Dude, him jumping out of that box Monday, you know, and we're not even in the wrestling segment, but I will say him jumping out of that box Monday was shades of Stone Cold coming out of the baggage cart beating up the rock at JFK. Uh, I mean, uh, you want to (laughs) go even farther back? That's Dick Dick Slater. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's I what mean, I mean. You go even farther back. Those, those were those were those really great moments. But that's what it is. We get, we're getting guys that respect this business. They're not all spot machines. You know what I mean? And that's the, that's kind of in a way. I'm kind of glad that we're not getting all those spot guys because now we're getting guys that tell stories, which is good. And that's what you want. Yeah, absolutely. That's really what you want. It's it's it's, it's a, an exciting time for both sports. I mean, for for MMA and and, the, and WWE and pro wrestling, pro wrestling in general, between what's happening in uh, in New Japan and in Mexico right now with AAA, get, you know, working on the TV deal, uh, global and and TNA. It's it's a very exciting time to be a fan of the sport, and the same can be said about MMA. Yeah, dude. Oh, I, I got to tell you, dude, that Bullet Club shirt you got bananas. Brother, I'm a huge fan of New Japan. I've, I've been sold on the product. I watched the entire uh, G1 Climax tournament, and it has to be single-handedly the best wrestling I've seen in my entire life. Oh, it, was, it was fantastic, dude. I, I am a, I'm a big mark for uh, Machine Gun Carl Anderson, dude. He is a problem. I'm a big bullet club mark, and I love uh, Nakamura. I'm a huge Nakamura yeah, fan. Yeah, Nakamura's a problem. So I mean, they, they, these guys, you know, it, it's fascinating. For anybody that's, that's been a fan throughout the Attitude Era, uh, I suggest watching anything in New Japan right now because these guys, it, it's very reminiscent of the old days. Uh, a lot of power moves. I mean, they'll hit you with, like, two DDTs, a power driver, a power bomb, and, a uh, you know, some, some crazy, crazy head kick. Oh, and it's you'll nasty. kick out it too. It's nasty, dude. But that, but that strong style, strong style at its best. We need, we need more of that. That's why I said it. You know, Kevin Steen is a good, a good uh, uh, bringer of strong style. Prince Devitt and Kenta, I have a feeling they're gonna be your next like Triple H and Rock rivalry. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, you got to look at the next 10 years of this company, and there's, there's an obvious, obvious uh, shift in direction in this company. Absolutely. But we have to also remember, pro wrestling goes beyond just the WWE. Yep. And I tell people that's that all what the time. I'm hoping for. The WWE is one specific style of pro wrestling. Yep. Uh, with New Japan and uh, AAA and TNA and even Globe, I mean, uh, you know, what, what Jeff Jarrett is doing, yep. I think we are going to see a total mishmash of different styles of pro wrestling. I mean, very similar to what we have with WCW. It was more technical, WWE, which was sports entertainment, and ECW, which was hardcore. Right. We're going to start seeing the differences in style. And, Absolutely. you know, it's going to be left to us what we want. Do we want the adult stuff? Do we want the one that's more presentable to television? Do we want what's, you know, for, for the 18 to 24-year-old? It's going to be different. I mean, it's going to be left to us. And I think now with all these companies doing so well right now, the next 10 years, it looks like we're going to get another boom. Yeah, I, I I have high hopes. Like I said, the change the change in in just wrestlers that are being signed. We're not getting all these um, you know, the these these power plant monsters that we're getting. These juice heads that they go out, they tear a lat on Monday, they tear a quad on Thursday, and then they're on the shelf for six months. I mean, the best example besides Kevin Steen, which I talked about, is the inevitable signing of Willie Mack. Willie Max, um, we we played like a video clip of some of his wrestling, and dude, that guy. Everybody talks about Big E being the next guy. Willie Mack is going to be the next guy. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many, so much good stuff happening on TV. I, actually, right now while I'm talking, I'm watching Topia's Charge '99. Nice. And and this was the prime, right, of wrestling. This was the peak. This was and the caliber of pro wrestling now is much better than we had then. Oh yeah, we have better wrestling now. Just um, where we don't we don't get away with as much stuff in the sense that uh, you know random random feud out of nowhere doesn't happen. There's got to be something like remember two guys would a dude would bump somebody in the back that would lead to a match which would lead to a feud. We don't get that anymore. No, we don't, and, and it's the writing style, but uh, yeah, I'm hopeful that the next year or so we're going to start seeing a major shift. Yeah, well, hopefully hopefully they give they give Heyman a little bit more creative control. I'd like to see that. Well, I'm hoping. <laughs> there you go. All right, brother, I'm going to go. Have a great show. All right, bro. Thanks again for calling in. I appreciate Later, it. Man. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Andrew Zarian, of course, owner of the GFQ Network host of Matt Men with Rich Dambolian and um, good old uh, late John Layman. You can catch them 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time Thursdays on gfqlive.tv. And also you can catch Rich and John right after that at 5.30 hosting Beyond the Counter, a comic show, of course, our colleagues at the GFQ Network, getting, it ju- getting the job done big time on Thursdays. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Um, we kind of ran the gamut between MMA and wrestling with, with Andrew's call. And that was good because there's a lot of stuff that's going to tie into, uh, both segments this week. Um, as I was mentioning at the start of the segment about Joe Rogan, obviously that's been getting a lot of traction as of late, but I did want to talk about uh, a couple of other things that, um, very big news. Of course, like I said, the war machine situation, which has escalated quite a bit. Um, war machine right now is on the run. Uh, his uh, girlfriend, or whatever you may consider it to be, his partner, Christy Mack, has released a statement as well as pictures 
of what happened. Uh, basically, according to her, he showed up at her apartment unannounced. Uh, she was there with a friend who was fully clothed. And War Machine proceeded to beat her, beat her friend. Then he made her jump in the shower naked. Then he cut off her hair. Then he threatened to rape her. All kinds of crazy shit. Then War Machine left. And the amount of injuries this this woman has, regardless of how you feel um, about the porn industry or whatever, no no woman deserves that. You got broken ribs, missing teeth, uh, 18 broken bones in her face, uh, uh, you know, your orbital socket, all that area is just eyes are swollen shut. It is a vicious, vicious and horrible crime. And I want to I want to go into that a little bit just because. Social media, like I said, very, very crazy with that stuff. Like, um, people are trying to find ways to make it seem like she deserved it or didn't deserve it or whatever the case may be. And I'm going to give my take on it, and you guys are welcome to agree, disagree, or whatever. But here's where I stand. Reg- I, I grew up old school, you know? I grew up old school. Um, you don't hit women. Uh, you know, you're, you're chivalrous. You're honorable. If you get so inclined to commit an act of violence, you leave the room, you walk out, you find another way, but you don't do that. And I, I grew up in that era and I, you know, I, I was raised by my mom and, you know, sing, single parent household and my mom, she instilled these values in me and I continue to live and breathe those values today. And um, the way I see it is this. You're dating a woman who's in the, in the adult film industry, regardless of whether she's your girlfriend, your fuck partner, whatever the case may be. You're dating a woman in the adult industry. Translation, you know what her line of work is. And given that you know what her line is wor- of work is, you shouldn't be surprised by certain things that go on in her life, period. There's there, That's it. It's like it's like if you're if you're a guy that's in the mob and 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 you're dating a woman and she knows you're in the mob and she still sticks by you, it's because she's in love with that atmosphere. Even in his case, he's a, he was in love with the fact that he was dating a porn star and whatever the case may be. You know, it was it was the illusion. It's like we all talk about that. We all joke about it. I mean, hell, when I was younger, we all used to be like, yeah, man, you know, this chick, that chick, Jenna Jameson, you know what I mean? And then when you get older, you realize that those women, they are unique and it takes a special kind of individual to be involved with these kind of women. Jay says it best. Men like that have insecurity issues. And and that's and that's exactly it. Like War Machine was a former porn actor himself, a mixed martial artist, just a dangerous human being. But the problem with War Machine wasn't just the fact that this woman may or may not have betrayed him, but it's the fact that he mentally just isn't there. He is not a rational human being. And you can go through that by seeing a lot of his tweets and a lot of the stuff that he talks about, and a lot of it comes from a, from a, a side of your mind that's incredibly unhinged. Your psyche is incredibly dark. And that's just, that's not a, a, a thing that, that happens over time. It's just a psychological issue. And again, psychological issues aside, what he did, just, you can't do that. You can't. Again, you walk in, maybe she was having sex with the guy, maybe she wasn't. 
But, you know, maybe she was, maybe she wasn't, but that doesn't merit, that doesn't give you carte blanche to beat this woman to death, threaten a raper, you know, uh, again, uh, going going by the by the allegations that are out there, and then, you know, just being on the run. Like, this case has gotten so crazy that when a guy like Dog the Bounty Hunter, who is just a, a, a separate psychopath all his own, is, is threatening to hunt you down... It's in a it's in a completely different category of weird. And this is this is one thing I got to say. If he didn't do it, let's say for a minute, because um, Christy Mack said that they had been broken up for a long time. But uh, TMZ, of course, being the pinnacle of the pinnacle of journalism that they are, found evidence that they were together as far back as possibly three weeks ago, maybe three to four weeks ago. That's how far back it is now. Going going into that, I'll say this: whether they were together three weeks ago, three days ago, three months ago, it, it, it you're you still have a crime that was committed and a victim that was that was hurt. Plain as day. That's it. Even if even if War Machine committed his crime, or or if he came in and the guy that she was with attacked him or whatever the case may be, dude, own up to it instead of running. Let's say for let's say for a moment, for a moment that there's more to the story. The minute you took it upon yourself to run is the minute that you pled guilty. The minute you ran, that was it for you. And and you can and you can turn yourself in tomorrow, but you ran. And that's the kind of story that's that's kind of following that's following him everywhere. You ran. It doesn't matter whether you know you you're wrong or you're right, you ran. Obviously, the crime itself incredibly vicious in nature, and I'm sorry. You can you can come in and 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 see a situation that like like what he may or may not have seen, but the fact is that you can turn around and walk away, especially because you know you have a record that will put you behind bars the minute you get in trouble. If you know the kind of record you have, you wouldn't be punching your your girlfriend in the face or beating up whoever. You would just be like, listen. This shit isn't going to work, and I'm going to leave before I fucking kill you. And that's it. Listen, I have a terrible temper. I have a terrible disposition. And, and I've done... Listen, you know, you know for a fact when there's... There, you know how to pick your moments. Simple as that. There's a right way and a wrong way. I, I'm, I'll, share, I'll share a personal story with you guys. Um, my mom, she was a career foster parent. And being a career foster parent, she raised a lot of children. So right before she died, she was raising two boys. Uh, they were siblings, and when she well, when she was taking care of them, she made she she said to pass them off as if they were my sons. Mind you, I'm 19 years old, and I'm passing off these these kids as if they were my own. But that's just because we didn't want to deal with the stigma of these boys being adopted or being foster kids. But again, they were small and didn't matter. So. She um, when when she got sick, the they decided, oh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna take them away, but it wasn't the usual, um, hey, we're gonna take them away and that's it. They did the old bait and switch, which was, hey, uh, when you get a chance, bring them in, you know, so they can visit their other twelve siblings that they had uh, spread across x amount of foster homes and whatever. So I go, I hop in my car with my grandmother, we go, we take the kids there. They bring us into a room and they're like, "Hey, you know, we just want to tell you, your mom's been incredibly sick, blah blah blah, and we're going to uh, we're going to take the kids away." So, 
afterwards, the guy, he kind of pretty much, I was like, yeah, you know, but, the, you know, these, these kids, they're practically mine. I've been raising them, whatever. And the guy was super condescending. And I'll, I'll admit, I spazzed out. And I walked out of the room. And um, Slick knows exactly the place I'm going to tell you. Slick, there is a Chase Bank next to Gertz Mall on Jamaica Avenue that has an old school elevator that you pull the handle to shut it. I'm sure you know exactly where it is. It's right next to the Conway across the street from White Castle. This is all New York reference. But anyway, um, their office was in the third floor. I left. I was incredibly heated. And um, I put my fist through every pane of glass in that elevator. It was one of the old school pull handle elevators. And I went and rather than punch the guy in the face, I walked out. And I proceeded to put my fist through every pane of glass that's there. And you can see some of the scarring on, on my hand. Mind you, my mom was in the hospital pretty much in ICU and all this shit. But here, he, the, the reason I'm sharing this story is because if I would have punched the guy in the face, they would have pressed the, the cops would have came and, and hauled my ass off to jail. And that would have been that. The only thing that I could possibly get bagged for if I would by breaking the windows would have been destruction of public property. Again, in War Machine's case, you would have been better off walking out and maybe breaking the windows on her car or or doing something less destructive to another human being and you wouldn't be in the in the in the bind you're in now. Again, I'm not advocating that that's a correct solution, but there's just other ways around. There's other ways around that. And the fact that this guy uh, you know, Christy Mack's family and friends are offering a $5,000 reward. Uh, you got Dog the Bounty Hunter. You got a litany of charges. And on top of it, it is it is just a blemish on the sport. Like I said, it's very easy for you to say, oh, UFC fighter so-and-so. Even if he hasn't been in the UFC in years, it's the easiest and most generic thing to use. Now, Slick is saying Christy Mack said she ran out and he, as he was rifling through the kitchen she believes that he was looking for a sharper knife to kill her. He stabbed her in the hand and in the ear. He did. He also cut off pieces of her hair with the knife, too. And th- and that's what I said. That's just a dude that, that's just psychologically fucked up. Like, I was talking about this with my wife, and I said, War Machine's going to be the guy that goes out in, like, a hail of gunfire. That's that's the crazy thing to say, and I, and I hate saying it, but he's going to be the guy that's going to be cornered by cops, and he's either going to kill himself or he's going to go out in an incredibly violent manner. Like, that's how it's going to be. He's going to go out like, um, have you guys ever seen the movie with Kurt Russell and, um, oh, man, where they were the Elvises and uh, the one guy, what the hell was it? It was, um, shit. You guys know the movie I'm talking about. They were bank robbers dressed as Elvises, and then uh, Kurt Russell was kind of like the good guy. And um, Kevin Costner was like, he swore he was the son of Elvis. And at the end of the film, uh, there you go, 1,000 Miles to Graceland. Thank you, Val. Um, 3,000 Miles. Thank you, Jay. As soon as that movie was uh, was reaching its climax, um, Kurt Russell said to him, you're going to die bloody. You're not going to die clean. You're going to die bloody. And he was just like, yeah, dude, whatever. And he died in like a hail of gunfire. I mean, he went out like a like a like a G uh, if you're a fan of those movies. But uh, he went out exactly like that. And I'm sorry to say, 
but in War Machine's case, he he embodies going out like that. Like he's gonna be the guy that they're gonna show up, and he's like, "You're not taking me alive" or some shit, and that's gonna be it. The story really, this story has the makings of a terrible ending. I'm sorry to say it, it does. Uh, <laughs> Nine thousand miles to Iceland. Thanks. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's a good one too, Jay. Michael Douglas and falling down. Absolutely, that's that's how it's gonna go down. It's just gonna be some some random shit. He's gonna be cornered. He's a fucking kook, and and we're gonna be reading some crazy some crazy story in a couple of weeks. I hope you know. I hope that's not the case, but it's kind of difficult to dispute that that's where it's going. Anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> Slick says, terrible reference because Michael Douglas was a good guy in that flick. War Machine is a piece of shit. All right, so let me wrap up the remaining MMA news for the week. Um, The UFC UK Twitter account has confirmed the return of the Korean zombie, Chang Sun Jun, who will be squaring off against Akira Khorasani. I'm actually looking forward to that. That's UFC Fight Night 53 in Stockholm, Sweden on October 4th. Uh, former guest of the show and former contestant on The Ultimate Fighter, Gilbert Smith, is in the news this week because he will be stepping in to replace Cosmo Alexander to face Ben Brewer at Legacy Fighting Championships 34. That fight card is scheduled to go down August 29th, and you'll be able to watch that on Access TV. Uh, definitely best of luck to our friend Gilbert Smith. Hopefully, uh, maybe we'll get him back before he goes into that fight card on the 29th. I will keep you guys posted and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get him back. Ben Saunders, Bellator standout, very exciting guy to watch. Killer B, I'm actually a fan of his. I like watching him fight. He is making his return to the UFC, uh, UFC Fight Night 49, August 23rd. That's next weekend. Um, you'll be able to watch that on Fox Sports 1, and also the prelims are going to be on Fox Sports 2. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos taking on Ben Henderson. Francis Carmont is taking on Thales Latis. And like I said, uh, Chris Weatherly will be facing Ben Saunders, and that fight will be on the prelims on UFC Fight Pass. Again, UFC Fight Night 49, August 23rd, uh, main card Fox Sports 1, prelims on Fox Sports 2, and the UFC Fight Pass. Another card that's coming together that's looking real exciting is Bellator's 120, uh, Bellator 125. That's going to take place September 19th, and I'm pumped for this card. Uh, middleweight feature fight, Doug Marshall taking on Melvin Manoff, who is an amazing fighter. If you've never seen Melvin Manoff fight, you got to watch some of his tie fights. They are ridiculous. And I'm, I'm talking nasty fights. Like, the, like this guy, he fights and he puts dudes to sleep like this. It's like... Uh, lightning fast hands, incredible power in his arms and his legs. I think that it's just, he he hasn't transitioned well to MMA, but I love watching him fight. He fought, I believe, during the glory card last week or the week before, and just a tremendous competitor, tremendous. Now, this particular fighter, I mentioned him earlier when I was talking to Andrew, uh, Henry Cajudo, who was signed by the UFC. Uh, me and Ben also spoke about him last week. Uh, Henry Cajudo, it's funny, he's supposed to be debuting at uh, UFC 177 against Scott Jorgensen. But the funny thing is that there was a rumor that he was getting a WWE contract. He almost signed with WWE if he didn't sign with the UFC. Uh, very interesting. Again, Olympic gold medalist, 6-0 and record in MMA, uh, makes his debut in the UFC, was this close uh, 
to becoming a WWE prospect. I'm actually looking forward to seeing Henry Cajudo fight. I think Scott Jorgensen is a great opponent. And that fight, like I said, August 30th, uh, Fox Sports 1 prelims, you'll be able to see that fight. Definitely hype for that. Now, earlier on, we were talking about John Jones, Daniel Cormier, the fallout from those guys fighting. Everybody was hyped for the card. Everybody was excited for the card. And then disaster strikes. Now, you're probably saying, why does disaster strike? Well, it seems that John Jones sustained a knee injury and as such is out of his UFC 178 fight against Daniel Cormier. So that fight that we were supposed to get will now be happening in January. Now, the issue with this is that Alexander Gustafson feels that with the fight happening in January, well, with the injury putting the fight off to January, that he should get his title shot back. Now, I actually am curious about that because I do feel there's definitely a strong case for Alexander Gustafson. And, um, you know, with Alexander Gustafson, he was the guy that was the closest to defeating John Jones. But from a, from a monetary standpoint, even though that rematch is a good rematch and a great fight and it makes the most sense from a monetary standpoint, the, the John Jones Cormier fight is the big money fight. And as much as, you know, Alexander Gustafson wants to complain on social media about it. And again, I'd love to see that fight monetarily. I do feel from a monetary standpoint, I should say, I feel that the Cormier Jones fight is just the better fight to have, at least for this, at least at this time, at this time, again, the cards are subject to change and maybe Gustafson will make enough of a stink that maybe he'll reinsert himself back into the fight. But the Jones Cormier fight has just a bigger there's bigger things at stake, there's more animosity there, and there's more money to be made in that fight. All right, so I was really excited to see uh, the UFC Japan card, which is going down September 20th. Um, I was bummed to find out that, um, you know, Uriah Faber was injured, and he's not going to be on that card. Alex Caceres is stepping in for him to take on Masanori Kanahara, but besides that, that card really should be televised. Main event, Mark Hunt, Roy Nelson is tremendous. Takanori Gomi, Miles Jury is another great fight. Rin Nakai and Misha Tate is a fight that has the potential to steal the card completely. And I'm so annoyed that this fight is relegated to UFC Fight Pass. Not only that, but it airs on UFC Fight Pass at 3.30 in the morning. The first prelims air at 1.30 in the morning, and then the remaining card, the main card, airs at 3.30 in the morning on UFC Fight Pass, Eastern Standard Time. There should have been a way for them to air those fights on television because there's so many great fights there. But, of course, we get the shaft, and even though you're trying to get more people to UFC Fight Pass, no one is tuning in at 3.30 in the morning for that fight. I mean, I'll probably do it because I'm a glutton for punishment and I'll find a way to do it, but it's not It's not the must, you know, a must-see set of fights like that really should be on Fox Sports 1. That's it. It's plain as day. So, funny thing is, and I want to talk about this as well, uh, Bellator, now that under the the guidance of Scott Coker is getting back into women's mixed martial arts as they announced that they have signed Marlos Kunin to take on Julia Budd. Uh, definitely pumped. Marlos Kunin was a fighter that I really thought was going to get picked up by the UFC. Unfortunately, 
you know, I while I do feel that the Bellator fights are going to be good, I do feel that uh, fighters like Marlos Kuhn and Julia Budd are going to use their Bellator fights to try and get back on the UFC's radar. So nice to see women's MMA make the return back to Bellator. Will it be something that's ongoing? That, my friends, remains to be seen. All right, so that's going to wrap up this week's MMA segment. Let's get into some wrestling because there is definitely quite a bit to discuss. So let's get that ball rolling, shall we? There we go. My Take Radio's wrestling segment is brought to you by WWEShop.com. Use our promo code WWESAVE10 to save $10 on orders over $70 or more. Again, that promo code WWESAVE10 and our sponsor, WWEShop.com. So before we get into the regular wrestling news for the week, let's talk about Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw was probably one of the most interesting episodes of raw in quite some time and the reason i say this is because paul Heyman's opening segment pretty much set the tone for the evening and it's unfortunate because it was such a great segment paul Heyman freestyling dropping the mic and again i'm sure he took a lot of time and he it wasn't coming off the top of his head but that paul Heyman opener was tremendous it was tremendous. It not only set the standard, but it really just made people hype because you said to yourself, uh, you know, when he said that that he's uh, that he's Brock's that uh, you know he's his advocating Jew. The fact that Paul Heyman said he is the advocating Jew of Brock Lesnar on national television made me mark the fuck out because it was it was such a crazy thing. It was something that you really didn't expect, and Paul Heyman just came in there and dropped the mic, and it was it was beautiful, it was masterful, and like I've said before, I can I can live with Brock Lesnar in a feud with anybody as long as Paul Heyman does the talking. As long as Paul Heyman does the talking, that's the way it's got to be, and and you know Paul Heyman himself is just such an amazing personality. This is a guy who WWE put out a Blu-ray and DVD compilation about his career, and it is sold out everywhere I go. I kid you not. I go to Best Buy, sold out. Target doesn't have it. Go to another Best Buy. They don't got it. Yeah, I can order it on Amazon, but obviously I'm a sucker for instant gratification, so I would definitely want to get my hands on it sooner rather than later, but I ended up ordering it via Amazon, and I should have it, uh, if not tomorrow, then by Monday, but... You got to look at that when a guy who is a manager who claims him, who, you know, identifies himself as the advocating Jew for his client drops a freestyle on, on an, on a live television broadcast and blows your mind. It's amazing. It is amazing. Jay reviewed the Paul Heyman DVD because lucky bastard that he is. He got his hands on it and you'll be able to see that review on mytakeradio.com and on RageWorks.net. For those of you just tuning in, um, we announced that RageWorks will officially be the parent company of MyTakeRadio, and all MyTakeRadio content going forward will be on RageWorks.net. 
MyTakeRadio.com will remain the audio home, the home of all audio content relating to MyTakeRadio, including MTR Behind the Mic, Beyond the Mic, The Buried Show, and a couple of other broadcasts that we are working on as well. I will give you a quick, a quick, sh- easy one-sentence review from Jay, and it is as follows. The DVD is utterly amazing. So there you have it. If you've been on the fence about the Paul Heyman DVD, just take that statement from Jay as the endorsement. The DVD was utterly amazing. Anyway, so after Paul Heyman came and pretty much dropped the mic and set the standard for the evening, we got a two-on-one match between Roman Reigns and Rybacks and, you know, Rybaxel or Ryback and Curtis Axel. It really was you know, it was it was weird. I thought they were trying to tell an interesting story, but then the match itself just took a complete dump. Um, I really wasn't digging uh, the setup for that match. I really didn't feel that the the story they were trying to tell was conducive to anything other than than you know sending Roman Reigns into the pay per view as a wounded animal. Which again, you could have done that a dozen other ways, but that two on one match. It really hurts guys like Ryback and Curtis Axel because those guys are, are a solid, viable tag team. And basically, um, you know, you're feeding them to Roman Reigns, who, again, he doesn't need to the, the two on one to validate uh, his standing as a quote unquote main eventer. And again, like I said, it hurts guys like Ryback and Curtis Axel, who are pretty decent, uh, a pretty decent tag team and have been delivering some pretty solid matches as well. So, our second match of the evening, we got RVD and Seth Rollins, which was actually a pretty good match. Um, I felt RVD looked a little winded in certain parts of that match, and it kind of it, it kind of led to a couple of eh, spots, you know, not not sloppy, but definitely not as crisp as you would expect. And it's funny because RVD and Rollins have had good matches, but. This particular match was not as good as some of their previous outings. Of course, Seth Rollins takes the victory with the curb stomp, which was good. Um, where where this led was Seth Rollins walking up to the stage, looking at Hogan's presence on stage, because obviously they were ce- celebrating Hogan's birthday. And man, oh man, the moment of moments. There, there was a big uh, present at the start of the broadcast that as soon as it started, I said, somebody's in that gift or somebody's making a comeback tonight, something huge is happening. So it was funny because the match ended, Rollins, as soon as I saw the celebration lasting a little longer than I expected, it was it was hilarious that he goes up on stage and he looks at the present, he looks at the present, he looks at the present, and all of a sudden, out of the present, who comes out but Dean fucking Ambrose out of the big-ass gift. It was tremendous. Allow me to show you guys because it, it it has to be shared. Even if YouTube gives me some shit, I definitely got to share this shit with you guys. Check this out. So there goes Rob Van Dam, Rollins, Collette. See, Rob Van Dam had moments where he was really crisp in this match. There was a rolling, I believe it was this rolling thunder spot where you didn't get all the rolls. See, you only got one. 
See, really crisp, not bad. A thrust kick spot. Split legged moonsault. All the typical RVD spots. No, it is not. Now, Rollins doing a good job selling, telling the story, which was great. Here comes the setup. Quite the win for RVD. Yep. Here we go. RVD with the roll through. Oh, there's the kick to the gut. Now look at RVD. He's gonna throw him in there. He's gonna probably he's gonna go for the monkey flip spot. And there's the setup. Now watch how RVD gets up. He telegraphs the curb stomp, which bothered me. See, it's almost like he positioned himself a little. I understand you're dazed. But still, that again, the setup, I didn't like it. The match itself was okay. It wasn't terrible. So, let's fast forward a little bit. So there he is, checking out the big present on the stage. And he's like, is Ambrose in there? Is he in there? Yes, no. And you look at that box. As soon as the broadcast started, I said, who's in the box? I felt like I was watching seven. What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? No, he is not sensing the presence of Dean Ambrose, Jerry Lawler. He knows that this is a guy that can whoop his ass and come out of anywhere. <laughs> and there it is. Look at that, just taking your lunch money. Beat him like he stole something. There you go. Get him. There you go. Run for your life. <laughs> Dean Ambrose is a lunatic. It was it was a it was a great segment. I really enjoyed it. I like I said I did feel um, the wrestling could have been better, but it wasn't detrimental as a whole. I did, like I said, I liked the, the Dean Ambrose spot. It really showcased how much of a fucking maniac he was, and I, I love that. It was great. Um, so, and and this I, I didn't like. Stephanie McMahon decided to call out Brie Bella, and we were going to get the uh, husband is sleeping with the therapist angle, similar to the TNA Claire Lynch angle with AJ Styles a while back. It was just so contrived and so shitty. You know, you can't just have these two chicks want to beat the shit out of each other. No, we got to add some some high-level, subpar, oh, my wife is, you know, my husband is sleeping around with the, with the masseuse, with the massage therapist. It was it was terrible segment. I really didn't like it whatsoever. Um, I, did, I did like uh, Brie Bella going for the yes lock. I liked that because, obviously, I knew it was coming with Stephanie McMahon going for the pedigree last week. The only thing I didn't like was the fact that Stephanie McMahon was selling it like she was being hung by a noose like in a cartoon. She's like... It was, it was, it was so stupid and so over the top. I was just like, oh my God, why is this happening? Like the yes lock was pretty good and Brie Bella did a good job of, of setting it up. But Stephanie McMahon's sell was god awful. Holy shit. Please don't sell the, please don't sell that hold like that during that SummerSlam match because I'm just, I'm just going to be horrified. So our third match, Jack Swagger and Cesaro, which, 
allow me to bring this into perspective for you guys. Jack Swagger got the pop as a face, and Cesaro, of course, was a heel. So think about this. Three months ago, four months ago, Cesaro was at the top of the food chain, the crowd was cheering him, and Jack Swagger was getting booed out of the building. And it just took a switch like this to bring everything full circle. And again, the match was pretty solid. They told some really good stories. Um, a lot of really good spots. And again, it shows that Cesaro can continue to make his opponents look good. No disrespect to Swagger. Swagger's wrestling ability is great, but there's just incredible chemistry there. And I'm, 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 I'm bummed out that these guys are on opposite ends of the, of kind of the, the management, uh, push, so to speak. In Swagger's case, obviously being pushed for his feud with Rusev, if you even want to call it that, because you know he's going to lose. And on Cesaro's side of things, just him being in limbo in terms of just where he stands as a performer. The match itself was good, and it continued to um, reinvigorate, uh, well, not reinvigorate, but reestablish both guys as credible performers. It's just a, a real tragedy that a guy like Cesaro has to eat shit every week and even in the case of getting Swagger over, it just, you could have used another guy because Cesaro, again, in wins and losses, and I talk about this all the time, guys like Cesaro don't need that. They need to be on the uptick instead of the downward spiral. That's all. So, we get a, an awesome promo uh, face-to-face between Chris Jericho and Bray Wyatt, which I would play, but it's just very long, very involved, And I recommend you guys check it out because I want you to see the level of just intricate storytelling at play with a guy like Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt is is pretty much the A-plus player of promo work. Like, all these guys go out there and they cut these promos, but Bray Wyatt's promos, they're not just... Uh, uh, you know, minutia being thrown out. It's it's not that. It's not it's not verbal garbage. It's it's deep. It's thought provoking. It makes you look at the screen and be like, "Yo, this dude is on a whole other level." And again, being able to cut a promo against a guy like Chris Jericho, who is no slouch in the promo department, is a testament to just where guys like Bray Wyatt are coming from. And like I said, this is the new school of of wrestlers that we're getting. We're getting guys who have great promo work or amazing technical wrestling and a guy like you know and i talk about kevin steen a lot because kevin steen much like samoa joe you look at these guys you they're not the the ideal superstar you know when you look at a guy like like kevin steen who cut a promo against el generico's mass during ring of honor which if you saw it it would give you chills this promo You'd understand. And I like what Jay writes. Jay goes, remember when Husky Harris was quiet? Who knew? And it's exactly that. Who knew that under that shitty gimmick and those terrible tattoos and that terrible belly shirt from NXT that made him look like the blue meanie, you had a guy who was who just needed the right moment, the right angle to come full circle. <coughs> it was it was amazing to see. I saw it and I just said to myself, Holy shit, this guy took this feud, it went from up here to like up here, just astronomical, astronomical in the sense that when you saw that promo, you said to yourself, holy shit, I could watch these guys cut promos like this all the time, it was tremendous, do yourselves a favor, if you want to see masterful promo work, 
definitely check that out because it was it was probably one of his top five promos that I've seen. It really was. Definitely top five. So our next match of the evening, which which qualifies as our fourth match, was AJ and Eva Marie. Why was this match on my screen? Because obviously it was setting up the inevitable page involvement, which is fine. But Eva Marie, it, it, it's... You know, it was it was all good for what it was, but Eva Marie, I'm sorry, you guys go out of you go out of your way to try and 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 make this chick relevant and make this chick something other than a total divas uh, cast off with red Kool Aid colored hair. That's it. I don't see a diva. I don't see a superstar. I see a chick whose one one recognizable feature is about all that she has to get her over. That's it. I mean, I like the exchange between. I liked what AJ did afterwards, and the and the post match beatdown. It was good. It really, it really kind of helped push the feud forward a little bit. But the only thing that I felt was lacking was the fact that <clears throat> you needed a little bit more of AJ and Paige having more contact. You know what I mean? It almost felt like you're moving this feud along at the expense of other divas. Don't get me wrong; even Marie's not the greatest. But you can still, there's still use for her. I always look at Eva Marie and see a valet, like a really good valet or a really, <clears throat> a really shitty, uh, shady manager. That's what I see. I don't see a diva. I see a good manager. That's what I see. Anyway, John Cena comes out. He cuts his his his, his crazy superhero promo. Yo, I'm here, man. I'm ready. Come out here, Brock Lesnar. We're gonna fight. I'm like, all right, we got it. We get it. We got it. You know, it was it was what it was. Uh, Dolph Ziggler and Heath Slater, of course, the Heath Slater train uh, moving forward. Obviously, Dolph Ziggler is uh, the big proverbial question mark. I don't know if they're going to give him the IC belt. Uh, the Miz did cost him that match, but the crowd was into Heath Slater. He, he was re- he was they were definitely into Heath Slater. And the funny thing is that Wendy's Wendy's Twitter account is genuinely behind Heath Slater. Do yourselves a favor, look up the Wendy's Twitter account. You'll see that they're actually, whoever's running their Twitter account is a great wrestling fan and is shouting out Heath Slater after they said that Heath Slater looks like the the Wendy's logo. Uh, Definitely really cool to see stuff like that, a little bit of cross-promotion without without really trying. But do yourselves a favor, if you want a good laugh, uh, check out Wendy's Twitter and you can see some of the cool stuff they were tweeting about Heath Slater, it was it was definitely very very cool. Sheamus and Randy Orton squared off in a in a pretty solid match, very methodical, uh, very typical. You know, it was very typical Randy Orton. You know, slow plotting, and then it picked up a little bit. Um, the RKO that he delivered on Sheamus was the high point of the evening. Um, that was pretty much the only thing. I mean, if you watch the match again, you know for a fact that Sheamus. You know, he pretty much dived right into that RKO. But still, at that moment and with that camera angle, as a longtime wrestling fan, you got to appreciate uh, some really good RKOs. I mean, that was that was probably one of the ones that's recognizable. I mean, nothing will ever top the uh, Evan Bourne shooting star press into the RKO. That is, that is probably the creme de la creme of RKOs. And I know for a fact that, you know, Randy Orton wishes that he could be del- he could deliver RKOs like that on the regular. Anyway, so we close things out with the Hulk Hogan birthday celebration, which was very cool. A lot of old timers came back. 
Um, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff's theme music is probably the greatest theme music I have ever heard. And you know what's funny? I hadn't heard Mr. Wonderful's theme music in fucking years. I, I hadn't heard it in years. So when when they were playing the music, I was like, who the fuck is that? And it took me a moment. But, oh, man, it was. Oh, here, hold on a minute. Let me see if I can find it. Ah, here we go. Here we go. It was. Look at this. Look at this. You you just want to walk out in a big silk robe with like two tigers on leashes. Check this shit out. Look at this. You, you it feels like 1987. You're at the height of of just decadence, swimming in mountains of cocaine and money. And you walk out. You got your silk robe with your silk pajamas. You got two tire. You got two tigers on a leash. Just strutting down through your multi-million dollar mansion. Look at that. I want this music to play when I'm walking down to the toilet. Look at this. I just feel like 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 I'm about to get a a, a bouquet of flowers, a sash, and a crown. <laughs> Oh, it's so it's fantastic! I need I need that in my life. Who's gonna Who's gonna have that as their ringtone? I think Jay's gonna get Mister Wonderful as his ringtone from now on. It is <laughs> it is it is such God. It is it really is just so over the top, and it really that that theme music embodied what WWE was all about back then. It really. <laughs> Jay Wright sounds like that song should come with a handgun. Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff's theme music on Monday night was the stuff of legend. Like I said, silk pajamas, two tigers on leashes, a mountain of cocaine on your desk, some chick sitting there just holding a solid gold telescope. Why? Cause she can. That that's the kind of shit you see. Just just over the top opulence. Just it, it was so insane. He comes out. He's got that big ass robe. He's stealing. Chi- he's stealing kisses from the divas and shit. Just real dirty old manish. And all of a sudden, Brock Lesnar comes out and interrupts everything. Kevin Nash getting singing "Happy Birthday" to <laughs> singing "Happy Birthday" to Hogan, which was a sight all its own because obviously the NWO reunion, NWO Hogan and Kevin Nash singing "Happy Birthday" were the high points. But Brock Lesnar coming out and pretty much. You know, bumping Ric Flair, trying to start some beef, and then John Cena running out. And the funny thing is that if you've watched wrestling for as long as myself and some of the MTR staff have, you know that if the face gets the upper hand on the last Raw before the pay-per-view, that means the heel is going to win. And if the heel gets the upper hand, then you know the face is going to win. It's usually, uh, you know, the, the wrestling 101. A lot of times it's pretty spot on. Sometimes it's not. But the beauty of that segment was the fact that those guys did not interact. Those guys did not interact at all. And it was good because it, it left it very vague. I'll be honest when I tell you that I do see Brock Lesnar walking away with the title on Sunday. I, it, I You know, it's crazy to say it, but I feel it is what's best for business. You have a guy who broke the Undertaker's streak. It is a legendary streak. 
you need to con- you can you need to ride that wave of momentum and have him win the belt Sunday. Period. Slick says in the NWO days they would have torn Lesnar apart. Brock Lesnar would have got his ass whooped in the NWO days. The greatest NWO memory I have is them beating up Macho Man Randy Savage and beating him with a Slim Jim. You remember Macho Man used to do the Slim Jim commercials and they beat him with a Slim Jim and spray painted NWO on his back. It was tremendous. I want to see if I uh if I can find the clip uh, let me see. Uh, I'd give anything to find that clip because, again, they beat him with a Slim Jim. After they beat him up, they just beat him with a Slim Jim. And it was, it was amazing. Ah, yes. And the best part is, ladies and gentlemen, that the video clip actually says NWO Slim Jim Beating. It's probably going to look a little grainy because the video is dog shit, but allow me to show you. So, here we are. And not only, and not only can it happen, it most likely there will. There you go. Oh, the there you go. And an man. Macho Man with the chair. This is what he has to do. This is what Savage has to do at Slim Jim's Halloween Slim Havoc. Slim Jim's Halloween Savage Havoc. To go get a chair, go get a board, go get a table, and go get his hands around the neck of and Hogan. And go get Hogan. That's right, go get Hogan and take him out. Up he goes. <laughs> there you go. This macho man going crazy. Throws the ref out. Oh, there go the outsiders. X Pac. There you go. With a salt and battery on the Macho Man Randy Savage. And not only that, what they're going to do, they're going to take over. They're going to take over the <laughs> I love Bobby Heenan. Holy shit. Razor's Edge. Good night, Randy Savage. And you know Hogan's behind this. The late Miss Elizabeth. Look at the concern on her face. She has no idea which way to turn or what to do. Really? She has no idea. She find herself. The NWO. Oh, there goes Jackknife Powerbomb. And Kevin Nash used to deliver it like a champion. The Macho Man. And look at him. Six. He came out here last week and said, Oh, Macho Man dead. I dig him the most. I dig him the most. He's a dirt bag. <laughs> They're all dirt bags. He's a dirt bag. I love it. I love WCW color commentary. Savage is about six feet deep. Somebody's got to get him out of there. Because of Hogan. Hogan wants that man softened up there you go. like a grape, like mashed potatoes, like pudding when he gets his hands on. Kevin Nash just uh, the majestic main. There we go. Very good job, gentlemen. Very good. That's another one from the New World Order. Very good. Oh, he can't give me one. Now! Look at, look, at, look at the big show without anybody giving a shit about him. The man in the myth. The man to be with. Look at, look at big show being a hype man. Wearing the priest collar shirt and the vest. Hold on, let me see if I can fast forward. He thinks he's Elvis. And Randy Savage. Oh, we got fast forward a little bit more. 
Just beating the shit out of Savage. Beating him with a slip Look. Oh. You know oh, I fast forward. Into the ring. Into the okay. ring. As the, as the NWO. There's the leg drop of Doom. That was when Hogan could actually move. Savage a piece. Look, beat him with the Slim Jim. There it goes. Look at him. Look at him. Snap into that, Savage. <laughs> Hulk Hogan was ultra-level douchebag. I think it's time. I think it's time. Hulk Hogan ultra-level douchebag at that moment. It was amazing. Everything about that, everything about that entire exchange was tremendous. Him getting beaten with a Slim Jim was was insane. <laughs> oh, man. Hollywood is possibly the greatest heel of all time. It's slick. He, Hulk Hogan. Well, you know what? Let's, let, let's, let's take a poll. Give me your top three heels. Doesn't matter. Current, past, or, or, well, current attitude era or old, or old school. Cause I'll say this Jake the Snake Roberts, Hollywood Hogan, and probably Ravishing Rick Rude were, were my three, were my three. And the reason I say this is because Ravishing Rick Rude, when he was feuding with Jake the Snake, would come out with the guy's wife drawn on his tights. And that's when you knew shit was legit. Well, if I wanted to, like, those were, those are like my three, those are three, and, and even those three are selective, because I can also say Raven, uh, Bubba Ray Dudley, and, and Vince McMahon. I could say the big boss man dragging the Big Show's father's coffin through the cemetery was a great moment. Uh, Jay says Heyman, Piper, and Heenan. That that's an amazing list. Like like the problem is it's very selective. But I gotta say, Jake the Snake, Rick Rude, and Hollywood Hulk Hogan. If I wanted to go old school, if I wanted to even go older than that, classy Freddie Blassie, Mister Fuji, and Bobby the Brain Heenan. If I wanted to go Attitude Era, I would probably say Mister McMahon, um, Triple H. And and again, Bully Ray. Bully Ray at that time were were the creme de la creme. If I wanted to talk now, like in terms of villainy, I would probably say Paul Heyman, uh, Triple H, and and it's crazy. And and you guys can can agree or not. I I really feel that as a heel, this guy had his best work. And and it's crazy for me to say it, but. Even Orton, Orton's heel work when he was on top of his game, when I remember him spitting in the face of Mick Foley, and I said to myself, this guy's going to be a problem. Randy Orton, and, and, and again, not Randy Orton now, because now he's a little bland and a little shitty, but when he was running that legend killer gimmick and he spit in the face of Mick Foley, and I'm not talking about like regular spit, I'm talking about deep from your fucking chest, uh, chest congestion level spit, spitting in in the face of a legend like Mick Foley, it was ahead of it. It was crazy. It was crazy. I was like, holy shit, this guy legit spit in the face of Mick Foley. It blew my mind. It was tremendous. So those were probably those are probably the 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 three the three I can I can come up with off the top of my head. 
but you guys got some great some great lists. Uh, Slick Hollywood Hogan, Jake the Snake, Triple H. Um, Slick, want to hear something crazy? No one thought Hogan would ever be a heel. Cena could top the Hollywood legend if and when he ever hits the switch. You know what's crazy? In order for Cena to top Hogan, it has to be like the most unexpected. Like Daniel Bryan has to win the belt at WrestleMania. He's out there with Brie Bella celebrating. And, you know, John Cena comes out with Nikki Bella because that's the best way to do it. Comes out with Nikki. They're all celebrating. He's celebrating with Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan turns around. All of a sudden, he hits him with the attitude adjustment. Then he just puts him in the STF um, while the bell is ringing and, and, and Brie Bella is trying to save him. And then Nikki Bella comes in and hits her with like a chair. Like some real legit shit. Like, oh, my God. Just everybody going crazy. John Cena just beating the shit out of Daniel Bryan. Uh, takes him out of the STF, maybe power bombs him through a table. It would it would probably be the craziest heel turn. But the problem is that at this stage in the game, it's a different level heel turn because there were a lot of factors that made Hogan's heel turn amazing. Uh, obviously, the birth of the NWO, um, you know, the craziness with the Outsiders, the Monday Night Wars. It would be it would be insane. It would be insane, but the magnitude and the and the way that it would, uh, you know, reverberate through the industry would not be the same as when Hogan turned. And I and I I I admit, Slick, who else could walk out to Voodoo Child? It is true. Hogan coming out to Voodoo Child was amazing. I used to play the fucking air guitar like a mark as soon as he came out. It was fantastic. But um, his his entrance, dude, top of top of the food chain, god tier. God tier entrance right there. But um anyway, as I was saying, Raw Raw ended, it was pretty good, but it wasn't what I would expect going into one of the big pay-per-views, you know, one of the big four pay-per-views. You're going into SummerSlam, your go home show should be some some real epic level shit. And instead it's kinda like, eh, here it is. Just order it, pay nine ninety nine and shut up. But again, you know. I digress. Anyway, let's talk wrestling news for the rest of the week. Uh, there's a big rumor going around, and and they've been trying to debunk it, especially after some trucks had it uh, on the side, that SmackDown is moving to Thursdays. Apparently, um, you know, Sci-Fi wants to move it to the, th- to the Thursday block, which, of course, would make things very interesting for TNA Impact. If TNA Impact remains on Spike TV... They may move into the Wednesday slot, which actually would be better for TNA because think about it. We got uh, SmackDown on Thursday, TNA on Wednesday. They'll probably move NXT into Wednesday to compete head-to-head with TNA. You got Main Event Tuesday and Raw, and then your Fridays are kind of free, which is good because that was the toughest thing. Nobody's watching fucking SmackDown on Friday. They're, They're not. Everybody, everybody's watching SmackDown on Saturday on tape delay, unless you got nothing to do and you're home on a Friday. And indeed, SmackDown originally did start on Thursdays. Honestly, I would air SmackDown live on Tuesdays, but that's just me. You know? TNA on Wednesday, definitely a, a great move. I definitely have to agree with that. Jay also says that it's a very smart move. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, the TNA negotiations with Spike are still ongoing, so that's going to be something that we're going to be monitoring very carefully. 
So WWE released a video announcing that Jason Albert, who many of you may know as A-Train, Albert, or Lord Tenzai, officially announced that he is retiring from his in, from in-ring competition as a pro wrestler and will now be a coach for WWE developmental talents at the Performance Center. Uh, this pretty much closes the door on a very, I don't even want to say subpar run, but I feel that when Albert came back as Lord Tensai, it was just a recipe for disaster. His run as Sweet Tea was okay, but I think the best that we saw was him and Test as TNA and him as A-Train when they put him with Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar was probably the best run we've ever seen. It bothers me that he closes out his career with such a shitty run as Tenzai. But again, you know, if you watch his Japanese work, you'll understand when he was there as Giant Bernard. If you want to see it, definitely look it up on YouTube. He was uh, he was way ahead of the curve. I think WWE should have booked him like that when he came over and just say, oh man, you know, Albert went to Japan and he learned strong style and all of a sudden he comes back and he's just a monster. Instead, they turned him into this, this fucking caricature of himself. It was, it was complete shit. Slick says, I would have loved to have seen Vader in his prime versus Brock Lesnar. Dude, that would be ridiculous. Vader coming out with a big Mastodon mask and shit. Taking on Brock Lesnar. Oh my God, Paul Heyman. You know, the one behind the one and 21 and one. Oh man, it, it would have been, it would have been ridiculous. That's some armchair booking right there. Um, good call, Slick. Definitely props for that. So, I want to talk about Alberto Del Rio's firing. For those of you that don't know, Alberto Del Rio got cut loose due to an incident with a member of the WWE staff behind the scenes. So, as it turns out that the employee in question was a guy named Cody Barbieri, who is the manager of social media live events for WWE. And again, this is all speculative. This is all rumor. But allegedly, the incident occurred because Cody Barbieri was in catering, and somebody said something about cleaning up a plate, and he said, why, why am I going to clean it up if that's what we have Alberto Del Rio for? Mind you, Alberto Del Rio was not in the room when the comment was made, but it did get back to him, at which point he confronted Barbieri, who then proceeded to pretty much shrug it off and laugh in Del Rio's face to which Del Rio responded by slapping him like a bitch. So, the the funny thing about this was that at first glance you'll see that it was a racist comment from WWE's head of social media, and Alberto Del Rio responded as anyone else would respond if they heard a racial comment in their direction. I'll be honest, I'm Hispanic, and if somebody said something to me along those lines, I'd slap the shit out of you too. Now, the funny thing is that this is all coming to light because they were talking about A.J. Lee not being fired for the Michelle Beadle incident, but Alberto Del Rio being fired for doing the right thing. And A.J. almost got fired. The only reason she didn't get fired was because Vince McMahon got involved and he looked at the bigger picture and he realized that why am I going to cut her loose over some shit with a chick? So, <clears throat> I do, I do feel that Del Rio did get the raw deal, and I feel that if this guy made those racist comments, he should be disciplined, and he should be released as well, because fuck that, if I gotta get released for slapping you, you gotta get released for, for, for your racist comments, 
I mean, regardless of how I feel about Del Rio as a performer, as as a Hispanic individual, as someone of Latin descent, as someone who is bilingual, whose ancestors are from Puerto Rico, whose you know grandparents came here from Puerto Rico, the fact is that if you said some shit like that to me, I'd probably slap you too. It might even be worse. I might I might wait for you outside and whoop your ass. And the funny thing is that in WWE, when there's incidents between wrestlers where they fight. You know, they sweep it under the rug and everybody goes about their biz- goes about their business. But this was different because this wasn't a wrestler. This was a wrestler and, you know, an office guy. It's it's weird because like I said, regardless of how you feel about Alberto Del Rio as a performer or or whether you like his gimmick or you don't like his gimmick, he didn't deserve that. He doesn't deserve to be to be called, you know, a lackey or anything else. I'm I'm sorry, but regardless of how how you feel about Del Rio, there was no right for that guy to say what he said and still have a job. Now, don't don't get me wrong. There's a rumor that it's still that he still may be, you know, he still may get terminated. But right now, it's you know, Del Rio's on the on the on the short end of the stick. And there's a couple of things. Del Rio's contract was almost up. WWE ends up freeing a lot of money, cutting him loose, but you also run the risk because Del Rio can go back to Mexico and he can be he's he's actually receiving a lot of good press for standing up for himself. For for not letting himself be bullied, you know, because he was a he was a a, a minority in a you know, in a in a predominantly um, you know, white uh, you know, in a, in a white atmosphere. Uh, I'm not even saying that the WWE is a white atmosphere because they have, you know, a multitude of different nationalities. But I will go into something very interesting, courtesy of Ricardo Rodriguez, because Ricardo Rodriguez said um, when Kevin Steen's uh, signing was announced, he said, oh, congrats. I hope he at least looked at you. He was referring to Triple H in the photo that I shared. He said, congrats. I hope at least he sh- he looked at you when he was shaking your hands and didn't call you a fat fuck. Hashtag Bumblebee was his name for me. Don't even think he knew my real name. So what Ricardo Rodriguez is talking about is that Triple H used to say that Ricardo Rodriguez looked like Bumblebee guy from The Simpsons. Now, again, I don't know how true that is. I don't know how legitimate that is. Take that with a grain of salt. But when Ricardo Rodriguez is saying that and Alberto Del Rio it got fired for, for similar racial issues, there's definitely something funky going on and WWE needs to remedy it sooner rather than later because this can escalate into something very big. This can escalate into terrible bad into terrible negative press for WWE because they're chi- they're putting themselves as the champions of anti-bullying, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and you got your guys that are in your front office, you know, calling guys uh, you know, racial, you know, just using uh derogatory racial stereotypes for certain individuals. It's not, you know, it's it's not the move. It's definitely not the move and it's bad for business. I you know, the big joke is what's best for business. Guess what? Racial commentary like that is bad for business. Nobody accepted it when it was coming from Michael Hayes, and nobody should accept it from some guy that runs your social media account. I, I don't buy it. I don't accept it. And I applaud Alberto Del Rio for taking a stand. Fuck it. He got fired. You got TNA. You got Ring of Honor. You got AAA. You'll be all right. And you've made a fuckload of money. 
I like what Val says. We all know WWE office, the WWE office is hella racist. Look at their booking for the past 15 years. Damn it, you're going to go out there and you're going to play criminals. <laughs> is it wrong for Triple H to call Ray a beaner? <laughs> Christ. I swear, sometimes sometimes our, our, our audience is on point. But it's, it's definitely very, very interesting. Um... I'm curious to see what happens with Cody Barbieri. Um, Conan has been very vocal on Twitter about it. And everybody, you know, right now it's it's just a very touchy subject. Obviously, Del Rio is incredibly upset. I know that he's going to be appearing for AAA. I believe it's this weekend. Um, he's going to be appearing there. And WWE can't do anything about it. But they probably, there's a rumor that they're going to lock up his non-compete so that TNA doesn't scoop him up right away or any other promotion doesn't scoop him up right away. You know what, Val? That's a great point. Val brings up a stable, which was the Mexicools. The Mexicools, I remember, used to ride out on a lawnmower. You know what? Let's 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 look for that for those of you that don't remember. The Mexicools were probably the biggest representation of of um mexican stereotypes i've ever seen it was it was ridiculous let me see if i can find a good one yeah this one the the video quality again might be suspect but check this out guys see psychosis and super crazy they are riding on lawnmowers. They had great finishing moves and great wrestling moves, though. Look at that. Lawnmowers. Wrestling landscapers. Yeah. We had wrestling gardeners. Ladies and gentlemen, I kid you not, wrestling gardeners. And the and the crazy thing is that was as racist as it got. <laughs> yep, Los Matadores is racist. Um Eddie Guerrero's Latino heat gimmick was racist, whether you want to call it tongue in cheek or not. Again, this is something that we've always joked about, but the fact that it led to somebody's departure and it was a guy who was defending himself. Hopefully it's, you know, we, we haven't got the full story and there's more to it, but if that's the reasoning why Alberto Del Rio got released, it's, it's fucking shitty in my book. I'm sorry. Regardless of how you feel about him as an individual, I can't co-sign to that. I can't anyway. So I wanted to close things out by saying that, um, Chael, which, you know, Andrew alluded to in our MMA segment, was on Talk is Jericho, and he was talking about that WWE had approached him, and they had said that they don't want to do anything with him now, but if TNA tries to pick him up, that they'll make a play. Now, I want to pose this to you guys in the chat. If Chael was brought over by the WWE, what would you bring him over as? Would you bring him over as talent, a manager, or an announcer, um, a member of the comment, a commentator, sorry, a manager, a performer, or a commentator. Me personally, I think I'd like to see Chael in the commentary booth, maybe 
uh, Chael, Michael Cole, and JBL. I think the King has run his course. I think that would be a tremendous commentary team. Chael, Michael Cole doing color, and Chael and, and um, J- uh, what's his name? Chael and JBL doing a lot of the play-by-play. Oh, I would be amazing. It would be amazing. I would love that. Uh, Slick says performer or commentary. Jay says heel commentary. Val says manager or commentator. Either one of those. Imagine him just coming out there as a commentator just talking shit. It would be ridiculous. Val says King uses sound bites from the WWE games now. <laughs> you know what the depressing part is? He's fucking right. He is right about that. But yeah, I would I'd love to see Chael in the, in the booth. Um TNA would probably ruin him because they try to put him into some crazy shit. He'd have a feud with Kurt Angle with a week in and it would just ruin his character. If you brought him in as an announcer and the reason I say as an announcer on TNA's side, as much as I love Taz, I'm tired of him talking about the yam bag and trying to bring all that real Brooklyn shit into his commentary, it looks stupid, it looks amateur, and it sucks. And I love Taz. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Taz. I'm a, I'm a Taz Mark. I remember when I was a lot bigger than I am now. I used to people used to say, "Oh, you look like Taz from ECW." You know, like like that's a like Taz is a is a is a big. You know, I I loved watching every one of his matches. I actually own a compilation of all his matches I picked up from high spots and. Um, you know, I, I just I just don't like all that New York extra shit, that over-the-top hacky shit that he's doing in his TNA commentary. And Jay, Jay can vouch for this because Jay live blogs TNA Impact. And Jay Jay's a fellow New Yorker like me. Aren't you sick of Taz just making us look like shit out there? Because I'm fucking done. I am done with him. Yeah, in the, in the yam bag. In the yam bag. I'm like, yo, you are saying... The yam bag. Really? You're saying the yam... Why? Because you could get it under the radar on television? The yam bag? Because you don't want to say the ball bag? Come on, dude. (laughs) You know what's funny, Jay? That DVD has matches of Taz when he was the Tasmaniac. He used to come dressed in like a singlet, and he looked like the Tasmanian devil. It was so bad, and he used to wrestle... um, He used to wrestle barefoot. Oh, was it shitty as hell, the Tasmaniac? If you want to see something awful, the Tasmaniac definitely is not one of the, uh, Taz's higher moments. Uh, Jay says he had a moment tonight to have Brooklyn refs with Loki and Homicide in a match, but he didn't do it. <laughs> yep, Taz had fur on his neck. That's right. Yep. If you look for the Tasmaniac and you see the videos... I kid you not, you'd be like, what the fuck is going on? It was terrible. It was god-awful. I kid you not. Anyway, last bit of wrestling news I wanted to close things out with. Um, First, I wanted to close out by saying that uh, for those of you that are concerned with WWE, um, with their um, a hedge fund company buying 10% of their stock, again, not the death knell. So don't drive yourselves crazy. Uh, the company is Eminence Capital, and they're a hedge fund company based out of here, out of New York City, and they purchased um, 9.6% uh, percent of WWE stock. Again, not a big deal, but definitely something to keep an eye on because, again, hedge fund companies that buy bulk amounts of stock, 
obviously are trying to get the majority share to, in turn, uh, try and shift the direction of the company. Obviously, 9.6% isn't much, but it's something worth keeping an eye on because it's something that did make news on the street. Uh, WWE stock closed at around 13.70 on Monday. It was down five cents. Um, I'll be honest. If you are a smart person, you'd buy some WWE stock. And the reason I say this is because the network expanded into 120 countries this week. Wrestling is cyclical. It's all a, it's all a matter of WWE doing something big and running away with the ball. Again, don't think for one second that just because their stock is $13 that this is bad for business. On the contrary. WWE's on the cusp of something big. What it is, I don't know. It could be the network. It could be just revolutionizing online offerings. Whatever the case may be. But if you have an opportunity, get in on it. Buy a couple of shares. Who knows? Maybe, maybe you'll be. Maybe you'll get lucky. I say this because I mean I'm probably going to see if I can uh, move some 401k and get some WWE stock. Um, you know, it's 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 crazy. Val says that the hedge fund bought that nine percent to offload it at twenty six to fifty dollars a share. Yep. <laughs> I mean, right now it's thirteen seventy. So even if you bought um let let at thirteen seventy a share, if you bought a hundred shares, it would cost you thirteen hundred uh, almost fourteen hundred dollars. So if you want to buy a hundred shares of WWE stock, it would cost you less than 1500 bucks. But who knows if that, if that shit goes up, you might be able to double your money and then you sell it and you'll be all right. You can say, Hey, I own WWE stock shit. I may, I may try and shift some 401k into that. What's the worst that could happen? My 401k doesn't go up. Fuck it. I'm only, what am I? 34, 34. So, eh, maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I'll take a gamble. I'll let you guys know if I do it. <laughs> I actually got a couple of days off from work this week, so maybe next week I'll see if I can shift some stock and see if I can pick up a couple of WWE stock options for my 401k. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put my 401k into shit that I am a fan of: wrestling stock, or gaming companies, and tech companies, and hope for the best. That's what I'm gonna do. Fuck it. What's the worst that can happen? Uncle Sam takes my 401k and uses it to pay for some war in some country that doesn't give a fuck about us anyway? Eh, what can you do? Anyway, the last bit of news to close things out, obviously besides the stock thing, is a very interesting news story involving MVP. Um, Of course, many of you know the Michael Brown incident that happened in Ferguson, Missouri, has been making the waves all over the news this week. Uh, MVP actually was so touched by it that he is going to go and participate in some of the passive protesting that's going on in Ferguson. Obviously, if you guys have been watching, this situation has escalated into, into just ridiculousville. Uh, you know, you got cops with tear gas, shooting tear gas at the press, uh, all kinds of craziness. I mean, you got looting, you got everything that you may remember on a smaller scale from the LA riots, but the thing that gets me is the fact that you're, you know, guys like MVP, guys like that don't need to go down there, but obviously they want to go and, and participate and be part of something. And it's just something I wanted to share with you guys because it's, you know, it's, it's a crazy thing. And 
MVP wasn't going to go down there and participate in any lawlessness. On the contrary, he said he was going to go down there and participate in lawful protesting. So again, uh, kudos to MVP for being involved in something like that, uh, obviously at the risk of his safety and at the risk of his career, but um, very cool and something that was noteworthy that I did want to mention. All right, so with that said, that is going to wrap up this week's wrestling segment. I know um, I need, I definitely want Slick on board for this week's gaming gaming segment because there is a lot to discuss. So let's get the ball rolling for some gaming news, shall we? All right, so obviously we had Game Gamescom this week, which was closing things out. Um, but the, before I get into that, uh, 2K Games announced their brand new WWE card game, which I shared on MyTakeRadio.com and RageWorks.net. Uh, it's free to play. You can pick it up on iOS and Android devices. For Android, you can get it from Amazon or the Google Play Store. And basically, if you've played uh, games like Hearthstone or you're familiar with like the Pokemon card games or even Magic the Gathering, you can participate in WWE's uh, Super Card Game. And basically, what you do is you uh, get a deck of cards and you can build up and level up these cards and compete against other individuals that have cards. And obviously, you'll level up your superstars. You get 400 cards. Uh, excuse me, <clears throat> 400 cards with uh, WWE superstars, divas, and legends. And you'll be able to obviously build these teams and participate in different match types, and you'll be able to, um, you know, build it up and play it. Uh, similar, like I said, to Hearthstone, which is pretty popular right now. Uh, our very own Jay Santi picked up the game. Uh, if Jay gets a chance, I'd love to see uh, a review. I'd like to hear what he has to say about it, just because I haven't played a card game like Magic the Gathering in years, and I just don't feel I have the the dedication or the discipline, but if Jay wants to take a crack at it, by all means, I definitely would love to see what he has to say about it. Um, I see Slick is letting me know that he is uh, ready to rock and roll, so let me bring him in. Slick, what's up, buddy? What's up, man? I don't know. We uh, officially rage works, but um, besides that, everything is gravy. So I I wanted your opinion on this because WWE, they're – obviously a a big player in home consoles already with their 2k series and now they're stepping into the mobile marketplace and they're using a medium that while it's uh it's a very easily accessible medium it's it's not something you hear of every day you know like i said similar to pokemon magic the gathering uh hearthstone uh what do you think of them going into this market and is this something that you would even be interested in checking out as a gamer and as a wrestling fan I'm not big on trading card games myself, but I think it's a brilliant idea because WWE always tries to involve the children. Right. And this is like a, a two-pronged sword because it's a trading card game, and at the same time, it could just be trading cards. Because like, even if you don't want to play the game, it's like it's like you know, like baseball cards. You're gonna have pictures of like you know your favorite wrestlers on it. Right. And, and it's free to play. I mean, obviously, they're going to get you with booster packs and, you know, all the usual stuff. But they did. They used the, the number one buzzword, free. You tell a kid, hey, you can play this WWE game and it's free. Before you know it, his parents, uh, his parents' credit card is going to be run up with booster pack purchases. <laughs> there you go. 
I, you know, I felt it was very unique. When I got the press release from 2K, I said, all right, let me look at the trailer. So I pulled up the trailer, which, of course, you can watch on My Take Radio TV on our YouTube channel. And, of course, they use Xavier Woods, obviously, because he is the resident gamer uh, taking the title away from Kofi Kingston. But I will say that, overall, it was it, it looks pretty cool. The concept is cool. I like the, the graphics. It doesn't look real shitty. Um, you know, Jay says this is more of a 2K project. Uh, the presentation is cool and easy to learn. So, uh, Jay will probably be sharing a review on that sooner rather than later. But I figured I'd, 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 you know, I'd bring it to your attention only because there's so many similarities with existing card games out there that, you know, I'm cur- I was curious for your take. No problem. I mean, if it sounds like the, um, the Marvel game that they started a couple of years ago. It, you know, it's free to start, and, you know, you can get the, the basic, or you can, you know, purchase their booster deck, so it's, yeah. it's um, it's yeah. academic. I mean, they, it does, I'm surprised it took, took them this long to do it. Well, it was funny because it was a, it was a big week of news from 2K, obviously. Um, we got some roster shots that I shared with you guys, obviously. Uh, the big one that got a lot of attention was, obviously, the inclusion of CM Punk, but... That's a 2K thing more so than a WWE thing, but still, those of you that still want to live uh, vicariously through CM Punk can continue to do so, and one of the main reasons why he was involved is because WWE 2K15 uses a brand new single-player narrative campaign uh, called the Rivalries Campaign, which is going to focus on rivalries between various superstars over the years, uh, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, from 2002 to 2004, John Cena and CM Punk, obviously from 2011 to 2013, and I'm sure there's going to be other uh, big name rivalries that we all know over the years. Uh, you know, Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin is a good one. Uh, the Rock and Triple H, The Rock and Stone Cold. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get all those marquee rivalries, but the inclusion of CM Punk, considering how much of an impact he had on John Cena during that 11 through 13 run, um, you know, it should be a no-brainer to include both, you know, to include that guy, to include a guy like CM Punk in that because he was instrumental in that feud. I agree. But the thing is that uh, IGN is going to be announcing, uh, obviously, this weekend, SummerSlam weekend, they're going to be revealing the rest of the roster uh, you know, as much as I feel like that's a huge story, if you're watching WWE programming, you pretty much know by now who's going to be an active uh, an active member of that roster. Like, you know Roman Reigns, you know Seth Rollins, you know Dean Ambrose, Cesaro, Jack Swagger, you know, Rock, Cena, Hulk Hogan, Sting, Ultimate Warrior. You know what I mean? Like, it's very easy to go down the list and know at verbatim who's going to be included. It's more so the fringe wrestlers that make you think, you know, are you going to include a guy like Heath Slater by himself versus, you know, maybe still including the three, you know, the 3MB? Are you going to include, you know, obviously you're including Alberto Del Rio. That's a given. And it's true, like Jay says, who cares about the roster? But it's funny because they made it this whole big to-do on, on you know, SummerSlam weekend. But based on that, Roster reveals at this point for a game like WWE 2K15, does it even matter? Because obviously they got a very deep creator wrestling mode, uh, creator wrestler mode. Does it matter? No, because they're not there. Somebody's got to make them. There you go. It's like, oh, look, we're including Sheamus. We're including retro Sheamus, regular Sheamus, 
retro Triple H. And this is one of the things that a lot of people, they, they, they really should be more frustrated because I sure as hell don't like it. I hate when you waste roster slots on these retro versions of characters. Like, you should be able to click the character and there's a drop down and you want current retro attitude era. You know what I mean? Like, if you pick Shawn Michaels, regular Shawn Michaels, Attitude Era Shawn Michaels, DX Shawn Michaels, and Rocker Shawn Michaels. You know what I mean? Like, make that a drop down and not a slot. Because there's plenty of guys that get left off, and you're like, really? You left that dude off? Why? Oh, yeah, because I needed four, I needed nine different versions of The Undertaker. And JTG, <laughs> Oh, dude, if JTG makes the fucking cut, I'm going to lose my mind. If I see JTG in that game, I will be fucking done. I'll be done because, because, you know, it's like that guy got cut loose and it's like, all right, he's gone. But if he made the cut in the fucking game, I'm, I, I'm done, dude. I am done. Yeah. See, dark helmet brings up a good example. Hogan, eighties, Hogan, Hollywood, Hogan, and you know, NWO Hogan. So it's, it, it's weird. Like, like that's one thing like sting sting. You already see you got, California Surfer Dudes thing and Crow Sting. I just I just don't want that. You know what I mean? Oh, and Red, Red Crow Sting, of course. Oh yeah, I forgot Wolfpack, Wolfpack sting. sting. Thank you, thank you for that. Wolfpack Sting, Black and White Sting, California Sting. And this is what I'm saying. Like, if you put three versions of Sting and you don't include, I don't know, Cesaro. That's I mean, Cesaro's in the game, but I'm just using him as an example. Like, really? I like what Jay said. What about Mr. America Hogan with the mask? Why not? Yikes. Shit, why not? You know what I liked? Um, Jay, Jay might have seen this. Uh, he can answer. Jay, did you see uh, the created versions of Prince Devitt that they did in WWE 2K15? Holy shit, were they some really awesome created versions of him in the game. Fantastic. But yeah, like they're doing this roster announcement, and it's like, oh... You're going to get three versions of The Miz. Hollywood Miz, Douchebag Miz, and Old School Douchebag Miz. <laughs> Wait a minute, what's the difference? Well, old Douchebag Miz. Well, Old School Douchebag Miz was when he was tagging with John Morrison. Um, regular Douchebag Miz was when he was tag-teaming with K-Quick or R-Truth or whatever the fuck you want to call him. And then Super Hollywood Douchebag Miz was... Um, you know, the one that's currently on TV. Same thing with Cody Rhodes. Do you get Cody Rhodes with the mask on? Cody Rhodes is Stardust and regular Cody Rhodes. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you don't get Stardust, I'm like, I, would, I wouldn't buy the game if Stardust is in. Watch them make I'm Stardust DLC. Right <laughs> Watch them make Stardust fucking DLC, dude. I'm telling you. Because if you think about it, that I wouldn't be mad if there's a Cody Rhodes slot and a Stardust slot. Just because it's two different characters, the move I mean, sets are different. Yep, I agree. Even that it's two different characters, Stardust has like a totally different move set from Cody Rhodes. Yep, it, it's bananas, dude. So that I wouldn't be mad at. You know what I want? What I'm curious to see, and this is what Jay was talking about about the deep season mode. Like, I wonder if they're gonna give the guys from NXT some love. Because I'll tell you what, I, the first guy that I'm gonna beat up is Mojo Rawley. Mojo Rawley's getting beat up by every member of the roster, uh, so I can learn how to re- how to use all the wrestlers. <laughs> he could get hype and stay hype, getting his ass whooped. <laughs> Fuck that guy, <laughs> fucking worst. 
I hate that they make it seem like that Just dude fucked is. Up and stay fucked up. Yep, fucked up and stay fucked up. But yeah, I mean, the big roster reveal is this weekend. Obviously, once we get the full roster list, we will share it on mytakeradio.com and hopefully rageworks.net. Yes, Jay says, give me the vaude villains. They have to give us the vaude villains with the black and white entrance and the silent music. If you don't give us that, it's not going to matter. Like, I like when you were able to pick the NWO in the games and the screen would turn black and white like when you were watching Nitro. Nice. Yeah, dude, that's that's the kind of shit we need. Anyway, so I want to... I want the gobbledygooker and the Mountie. Fuck that, dude. Gobbledygooker and um, Mantar. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Mantar, the Shockmaster, and the Gobbledygooker are all in one slot, and they're just called shitty gimmicks. The main one is the Brooklyn Brawler, but then the drop down is Gobbledygooker, Doink, Dink. <laughs> Here, here's one. Uh, Torito is a slot, but when you click on it, it's Torito, Hornswoggle, and Dink the Clown. <laughs> just call it the Little People Pack. <laughs> anyway of course it wouldn't be a game this is the last one I'll pull out of my ass you gotta put in Akeem the African Dream oh dude Akeem the African Dream which also which also <laughs> and the music oh yeah which also <laughs> is the one man gang he's also the one man gang so that's the drop down one man gang Akeem the African Dream uh, Big Boss Man and Nails with a Z he was the convict that the big boss man put away that all of a sudden was out on parole and got a WWE contract, just saying. <laughs> right. Ah, the 80s. Anyway, so I wanted to talk about uh, GameStop announcing that they're changing their pricing strategy with regards to um, giving people, you know, giving people money for games based on either cash or credit. And it's not going to be the typical shitty... Um, obnoxious offers that we've got in the past, but they're looking at making it more competitive. I.e. if you trade in a game for store credit, you'll get $25 versus if you trade it in for cash, you get 18. What do you think? Of course, you're going to get more money if you get store credit because they're going to get that money right back. Well, it's just interesting that they put out that press release giving you nothing. Yep. It's a big steaming pile of me. (laughs) Like, I read it, and I was like, oh, great. Uh, You guys are just offering more of nothing. Because if you tell a young kid, hey, you're going to get 25 bucks store credit versus $17 cash, kids aren't stupid. They're going to be like, okay, I'll take the $25. And then the game is going to cause a a used version of a game that's a day old is going to be $54.99. So they're still going to make back 25 extra bucks. And... On that shit, let's say call the vegan police. The what? Call the vegan police. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because it's High five. It, it's it's craziness because it's it's like they put out this big press release. I read it and I said, yeah. <laughs> I read it. I was like, oh yeah, great, fantastic, nice work. Like there was like I didn't feel I didn't feel Don't moved all the way. Yeah, dude, I didn't feel moved. I didn't feel excited. I was just like, oh. They're just trying to fuck you less. It's like it's like trading, you know, uh, platinum lube for Vaseline. <laughs> no, they mean they're trying to fuck you more. Yeah, well, but they but they but they're using the they're using the better lube on the way in this time. No, because remember, Vaseline eats condoms. This they're is... giving you Vaseline 
and giving the, the hot girl the hot girl that actually has AIDS. <laughs> Jesus, all right, let's let's move on from that. Christ Almighty! So, uh, <laughs> interesting bit of news came out of Gamescom that got that got a lot of people upset. Um, according to the official Tomb Raider blog, Crystal Dynamics is going to release Tomb Raider, well, Rise of Tomb Raider, exclusively on Xbox One in the 2015 holiday season. Now, shortly after that bit of news got out, um, uh, in an interview with Eurogamer, um, they, they they tried to kind of kind of throw a little bit of of water on that fire by saying that it would only be exclusive. Uh, for a short period of time, and then release eventually on the PlayStation 4 and the PC. So, tell me this. Does making a game like Tomb Raider exclusive to one console really yield any true benefits in the long run other than uh, market insertion You know, from initial purchase? No. Because as much as I, and, you know, it's not just because of Larry Cross, as much as I love the Tomb Raider franchise, Guess what? If I don't have an Xbox One when it comes out, I'm gonna wait. Val, Val is the I'm best. I'm not trying to shit on the console, right? But there's still no games on it that I want to play right now, right? And if it's a timed exclusive, I'll wait because more than likely, what's gonna happen? Microsoft shot themselves in the foot with their purchasing exclusivity in air quotes because when it comes out on PS4 and PS and and on PC. Right. Fucking Square Enix will be have been working on it all this all this time after they get complaints from the Xbox One customers and it'll wind up being better. Well or Val- if there's any DLC it'll wind up coming on the PS four and PC version at no extra charge. This is true. I mean Val said because they realized they fucked up and lost possibly five million in sales. And that's half the current PS four install base, I'm being nice. <laughs> You know, you know it's funny because honestly, Tornado, as much as it's gotten much, much better, it has. Than, you know, some of those last games on the PS2, people still aren't buying it the way they used to. Nah, dude, people aren't setting people aren't setting things on fire like they used to for Tomb Raider. And again, the 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 exclusivity, it's nice, and it's a nice way to get to get a bit of a buzz going. But you have to look at it from from the standpoint of. You're making an exclusive on the console. I'm sorry to say, but you're making an exclusive on number two. You know what I mean? Basically. Why, I mean, why would you do that at that if point? you said that you were going to make Titanfall 2 exclusive to Microsoft, which, as we learned, it's not going to be exclusive at all. Nope. That would be something. This is true. Well, if People are actually going to lose their shit for that game. This is true. Well, you know, what got me was the fact that exclusivity at this point, it pains me to say it, for any title that's not an original IP, dude, it just doesn't even fucking matter. Like you said, oh, look, you can get it on Xbox One first. Great. But you could just as easily wait and get it on the other console. Like, exclusivity matters when we talk Halo, when we talk Uncharted, when we talk God of War. Then, and only then... Does exclusivity make remotely a difference? Now, who gives a shit? Who cares if Tomb Raider's multi-platform or not multi-platform? You know what I mean? Like, it, like don't get me wrong. It's a game that makes waves, but it's not making waves on the same level as something like Uncharted, you know? Yeah, it's like if you said, 
Uncharted, Uncharted, Uncharted is going to be on the Xbox One. Also, people would fucking lose their mind. Well, I got, I got the a joke. PS4 jo- fanboys would be pissed. Yep. The Xbox fanboys would be like, you know, like dancing in the streets. Well, here's here's something interesting that came out out of um, Gamescom. Uh, Xbox One announcing a one terabyte console for four ninety nine. First of all, slick. How much is a one terabyte hard drive right now? Rough estimate. Maybe like it depends on you know like how fast it is and everything. And well, just give me know, a rough one. A regular hard drive, a regular one would maybe be like maybe like one twenty at the most, or probably less. So one, you think it would be one twentieth at at most, right? So well, let's keep talking. I'll, I'll pull it up on Newegg. Well, that's what that's what I that's what I was about to do. Because if you go to Newegg right now, uh, Friday, August fifteenth, and you pull up a hard drive, one terabyte. Uh, we're gonna go standard hard drive. Let's say it's uh, regular three and a half, and. Uh, Here's what we got, ladies and gentlemen. A Western Digital blue one terabyte hard drive with a SATA 6 gig 3.5 costs, and I quote from Newegg.com, $59.99. Now, if you want to get a... Look, on the front page, the two gigabyte from Seagate is one fifteen. There you go. So with that said, and here's a, here's a better one. Let's get, let's get a little... Let's, let's, let's be ballers for a minute. Western Digital Black Caviar Drive, one terabyte, seventy nine ninety nine. All right, so seventy nine ninety nine. The even if you were going regular and you said, "Oh, we're going to give you the one terabyte drive in this console, and we're going to give it to you," and and this is this is how you kick it to Sony because you know you're going to get a deal on the drives in bulk, and you said. We're going to release a brand new Xbox One console with a one terabyte drive for a whopping four forty nine. People would take notice because it's fifty dollars more, but you're getting double the storage. No, you bring it right back up to your original price point. Yep, you bring it right back to the price point that made people cringe. You use the number that made people look at you and raise an eyebrow. You're fucking stupid. You're, you're, it's it's insanity at its best. No, it's insanity. If you told me four forty nine double the space, it it would it would it would get people's attention because you'd say, "Why well, I got to pay fifty dollars more?" Oh well, you get double the space. Oh, double the space means I can put more shit on my console. Okay, you know what I mean? Like that's the shit I don't get. They're like, "Oh, it, it goes back to that weird." Remember when they used to up the storage on the 360 with their proprietary hard drives, and them shits would be like, oh, yeah, this was a 120-gig hard drive, and we're going to charge you 449 for the console. You're like, what? Why? And we're going to charge you $150 for that hard drive by itself. Oh, yes, I remember those days. And then you'd have to use the stupid migration cable in the fucking disc. Ugh. Ugh. I don't miss it, but I. But, but it's funny because there was, when I got the Gamescom... Um, assets, I saw it, it's like, oh yeah, brand new console, one terabyte, bah! and I'm like, okay, how much is it? Scroll, 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 oh, four ninety. yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, no. 
Exactly. Jay writes bend. Jay goes bend over and take this hard drive. It's like yo, the only people that are going to give a shit about a terabyte are fuckers like us. <laughs> That's it. Like you're the making... people that actually are downloading that fucking Halo series. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I downloaded what did I download. I down well, obviously Titanfall. I downloaded because it, it came with the game and uh, Killer Instinct. I downloaded obviously, and it came with Killer Instinct Classic. But everything else, disc-based, you know, uh, UFC game is disc-based, uh, most of the stuff I've rented, disc-based, but, but it's crazy that they made it seem like it's this, this extra, this extra fucking, you know, like this bigger than it is news story, and I'm like, really, it's double the space, and you want double the space for $100 more. Thanks, guys. Thanks. <laughs> Fuck you very much. Exactly. I'm glad you guys could do me the favor. Thank you. But, um... This this next thing I want to bring to everybody's attention shouldn't be a shocker. Uh, Overkill Software, known for their Payday series, Payday the Heist, as a matter of fact, announced a new partnership with Skybound Entertainment to create a cooperative SPS, uh, excuse me, SPS, FPS, taking place in the Walking Dead universe. Now, as soon as I say that, I go, Slick, you're going to get a first-person shooter taking place in the Walking Dead. What's the first thing that comes to mind? You don't, you don't shoot in the Walking Dead universe unless you absolutely have to. Thank you. See, <laughs> I, I'm glad. I'm glad someone has common sense. Oh, we're gonna do a first-person shooter taking place in the Walking Dead. Oh, but wait, isn't the whole theory in the Walking Dead to conserve ammo and not shoot unless you have to? Wasn't that the game with Merle and fucking Daryl? Everybody. <laughs> Catching up in the the Walking Dead um, Telltale game series. I'm sorry for the spoiler, but the recent episode four starts in the middle of a herd. Ain't nobody shooting in that shit. Is that the is that the assets I sent you today? Well, that's the the review that I recently put out. The asset is announcing that the same episode is coming to Android and it's giving a sneak preview of the final episode. Aha! That's what I needed to hear. So, with that said, it's in a herd. You're not shooting anything. But we're going to do well, an FPS. It says, uh, the, announcement, the announcement promises a completely new co-op experience to the Walking Dead universe exploring new characters and storylines. Unless you're, unless you're doing first person with a fucking bow and arrow, a crossbow, and a, and a, and a, and a dart gun, it's not going to mean shit. You know what that's called? Either Dead Island or Dying Light. There you go. Oh, or uh, or um, what the fuck is the other one? Oh, the one, the one where you played as the big hulking zombie. Why does the name escape me? Left for Dead. Thank you. Isn't it Left for Dead at this point? Yeah, but <laughs> Left for Dead, it, it, it didn't matter so much what, whether you used the gun or not. It didn't really attract zombies. The, the whole point of it was to not linger behind because the zombies right. will target you. Well, no, that I understand, but again, FPS, Zombie Apocalypse, G, Left for Dead, Dead Island, come on, and that's the and that's the thing that kills me. I understand the Walking Dead uh, universe is incredibly hot right now, and there's a lot of money to be made, but at least look, stay, stick within the confines of the source material. Oh, we can't shoot any guns here. What the fuck are we gonna do? I don't know. Let's let's make weapons. Or like I said, why why can't you play the game with just crossbows and 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 bow and arrow? 
like there's a fucking challenge, dude. Beating the you know playing the game and your only weapons are crossbows, uh, and and bow and arrow. That wouldn't be too easy. No, the fuck it wouldn't. And the best part is you'd have to hunt, grab the arrows from the zombies you shoot. Like there'd be an element of strategy. This is the kind of shit I'm talking about. Like let's go that route instead of the very easy. Oh, we're just going to make an FPS that takes place in The Walking Dead that the only way you're going to know takes place in The Walking Dead is because you may have Daryl pop up once in a while or a Rick Grimes voiceover. <laughs> like, seriously, let, let's be realistic. Oh, it takes place in The Walking Dead universe. What does that mean? Does that mean that you're still in Atlanta? Because if it does, who gives a fuck? <laughs> seriously. Oh, The Walking Dead still takes place in The Walking Dead universe. Oh, you mean Atlanta? Because that's what I consider the Walking Dead universe, even though the zombie apocalypse is across the entire country. But no, we we're, it's just the Walking Dead universe is only in Atlanta. <laughs> like, like you see that, like just telling somebody that you think that you're going to get, you think you're going to get a chubby out of me by telling me that it takes place in the Walking Dead universe. Whoop the fucking do. You know what else takes place in the Walking Dead universe? Peaches growing. <laughs> 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 you know? Like, 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 seriously, you you know what else is taking place during, during the walking dead universe? Cats having sex in alleys and making noises and getting eaten. Oh, here's one. Maybe the zoo animals escaped and you're running through an area and there's a lion on the loose in the fucking forest. Oh, wait, it takes place in the walking dead universe. So the lion is loose in Atlanta. Zombie giraffes. Let's get some zombie giraffes because you know they're gonna be taking. They're gonna be in, in the in the Walking Dead universe. Why not? Why not a zombie elephant? <laughs> because because this is what we do. This is what's gonna happen. the The developers are gonna sit there and they're gonna go. All right, guys, this game's gonna take place in the Walking Dead universe. So what do we need? Uh, guns. Great. What else do we need? Uh, zombies. Good job. Nice. All right. What else do we need? Walking Dead Universe, guys. What do we think? Uh, Herschel? Well, we don't want to get the actor, so maybe Herschel's head can kind of like roll across the screen when you're walking through a stage. You know, because it takes place in the Walking Dead Universe. Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. Oh, here's one. What about Shane? How about zombie Shane just walking around? But didn't Rick kill him? Fuck it. We'll throw him in there. We'll pay the actor 10 bucks. Buy him lunch. And Zombie Shane. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, because it takes place in the Walking Dead universe. Okay, great. Oh, those two little girls that fucking, that they kill in that one episode? Yeah, they're going to pop up too as zombies because kids are cheap. A Coke and a smile and a dolly. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. But but that's what happens. They say, oh, it's the, just because you use that buzzword. So What? It takes place in the Walking Dead universe. So does a million other things taking place during that time. Maybe Day-Day and Laquita are shooting zombies on Jamaica Avenue during the Walking Dead. You know? Or or Jose and LaShawn are in Marcy Projects fighting their way through the basketball courts to break into a bodega to steal some infamil formula for Jose's girlfriend who's pregnant with her third kid during the zombie apocalypse, might I add. All taking place... In the Walking Dead universe. And let's not forget what a fantastic, award-winning piece of gold 
The Walking Dead survival instinct was. Oh yes, what a what an amazing game. Amazing. Amazing. And it featured Merlin Daryl. Yep. Who everybody thought was gonna make the game seventeen times more badass. It's like if I wanted to play Deliverance the game, sure. But I fucking don't. It's like I like what Jay wrote. Daquan is shooting people on Jamaica Avenue just to get home to watch The Walking Dead. <laughs> Sounds about right. All taking place in the universe of The Walking Dead, ladies and gentlemen. Seriously, it it's it's ridiculous. Like some of the news that came out of Gamescom, I'm like, all right, they got some good shit. And then there's some news that I'm like, come on, stop it. Like obviously, Assassin's Creed Unity looks amazing. Looks tremendous. It looks insane. It's like, oh, I get to stab you with my little knife in France. France looks incredibly France-like. Great. I'm excited. In the Walking Dead universe. In the Walking Dead universe. (laughs) Hey, there you go. Assassin's Creed in the Walking Dead universe. Like, you gotta assassinate the governor. Right. And you know who who the assassin is? Coral. (laughs) (laughs) Coral is the assassin. Coral, you gotta wear the hoodie, Coral. Because, you know, fucking Rick Grimes. Coral? Coral. Not Carl. Coral. (laughs) 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 Fucking... And it's ridiculous. Like some of that stuff, I'm just, I just can't, dude. I'm like, come on, guys. Like, like there's more to it. I understand that you want to get games out there and you want to take advantage of shit that's popular, but leave The Walking Dead alone. Leave it to Telltale, who is doing it right. And best of all, best of all, Telltale is keeping you engaged in the story. Am I right? Very. There you have it. So that actually is going to wrap up gaming news unless you got anything you want to add? Um, well, just just now we're live on, well, my take radio will soon go live on Rageworks as well. Uh, Nintendo has a new giveaway for Pokemon fans uh, starting now through, I think, September 17th. Right. If you take your Pokemon X or Y, depending upon which version you have, you can get either Heracross or Pinsir. And starting Monday, if you go to Langstop, you can get a code to get their Mega Stone so you can get the Mega mega Evolution. There you go. So, Pokemon fans, get your bugs and get your bugs now. All right. There you have it. All right. So, that's it. <laughs> Fuck yeah. What are, what, what, what are we at now? 300 and change? I told you. It's like 721. It is 721? Really? Fuck. I should have remembered that. See, I'm getting old. Dude, 721 Pokemon. Christ. <laughs> I, I, could, I couldn't even get into it if I tried. It'd make my brain hurt. It would make my brain hurt at this point. It's like, all I remember was a yellow cartridge with awesome Pikachu art, him getting ready to deliver an electric attack, and I'm like, this game is the shit! <laughs> that's, that's my fondest Pokemon memory. And the fact that's... that he actually said Pikachu when you threw him out. Oh, yeah, dude. It was, it was fantastic. Because that's all it was. You watch the cartoon, you're like, all right! And you know what was great? It's like what we were talking about with Final Fantasy VII. You know, you see these amazing graphics, and then you see these shrunken, deformed little fuckers that you used. Pokemon was the same fucking way. You watch the cartoon, and you're like, yeah, Ash, catch him. Fuck yeah, I'm excited. And then you play, and you're like, holy shit, this looks like shit. 
But I still want to play it. Exactly. It's like shitty game. I choose you. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. It was. Ugh, I. I can't do it. Anyway, I digress. We're gonna uh, go into the entertainment segment. So if you want to stick around, we can bang this out. No problem. Man. All right, let's do it. Love me some Kill Bill, and I watched it last night at like 2 a.m. while doing show prep, so I figured we'd use that this week. As always, My Take Radio's entertainment segment is brought to you by SuperheroStuff.com. Use our promo code 14RADIO for the month of August to save 14% off your order. Again, SuperheroStuff.com is our sponsor. Get the latest cool pop culture tees like this Flash t-shirt at SuperheroStuff.com. If you want some Guardians of the Galaxy swag, they got that too. If you're a Transformers fan, they got great t-shirts, great accessories you can pick up. And, of course, if you're a fan of sci-fi, you can pick up some great stuff from Superhero Stuff as well. Use our promo code 14RADIO to get that. All right, so let's open up with uh, The Expendables, which is if officially in theaters today. Um, Arnold, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and the rest of the cast have been making the media rounds. Ronda Rousey, of course, making a lot of media rounds. To the point where she made a media appearance and also took the ALS challenge while in her wonderful dress doing said media appearance. This is a very, very busy lady. So The Expendables obviously has a lot of fanfare coming into it. People have obviously been seeing the bootleg, which was available on Torrent for the last couple of weeks. And um, even while they've been able to do that, people are still going to the theater and supporting the film. Odds are it'll probably be either number one or number two this weekend, depending if it can dethrone either the Turtles or Guardians. But here's the fun part. Sylvester Stallone, during an interview with IGN, said that they would be doing a female spinoff of The Expendables, obviously, and we joked about this last week, The Expendables, which is scheduled to begin shooting in early 2015. He wants to involve, obviously, luminaries like Mila Jovovich, Sigourney Weaver, and a host of your favorite action heroines. But... I got to ask you, do you think doing the spinoff plus a potential fourth film is is oversaturation at this point? Dude, he did six Rocky movies. <laughs> uh, hey, you know what's funny? I, the Rocky Balboa was pretty fucking badass. So was Rambo. Old, Sylvester, old Sylvester Stallone just killing dudes in fucking Burma was the way to go. <laughs> So, I mean, it's like oversaturation is what he does. Oversaturation is what he does. 90 seconds. For those of you listening to the Blog Talk Radio feed, please be advised that the Blog Talk Radio feed will go off air at 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is in approximately 90 seconds per the English lady, probably 60 seconds now. You can continue listening and watching live by heading over to mtrlive.com, where you can listen, watch, and chat. As the show is in progress, you can also head over to gfqlive.tv as well. Otherwise, you can get our archives at mtrlive.com, iTunes. 60 seconds. There you go, 60 seconds. iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio as well. If you're getting the show off of iTunes, please take a moment and rate the show. We would really appreciate it. So, speaking of, the, of this uh, Female Expendables, I like the concept. I think it's pretty cool if they want to go that route. The Rock is 
been vocal about being in the next Expendables film as the villain, which is pretty cool. But I also feel that there's an untapped market of action heroes that can still be involved. And I got I got some gems. Uh, Jeff Speakman from The Perfect Weapon, uh, Gary Daniels, uh, more Chuck Norris. Uh, who else do we got? Oh, Brian Bosworth, Stone Cold. Remember that shitty movie? Ten seconds. Lance Henriksen. I'd probably throw in there Nicolas Cage, obviously. Um, uh, Danny Trejo. See, like, there's so many old dudes that are still left out. Steven Seagal. We need, we need Steven Seagal just waving and flailing his hands around like a lunatic, fucking people up with a keto. We need that. As for the female Expendables, like I said, they want to go Mila Jovovich, Sigourney Weaver. Um, I still, I still feel Cynthia Rothrock would be great, but you know what's funny? They're doing a, I think it's on Sci-Fi. It's a, it's an Expendables. I think it's called like Mercenaries. It's like Zoe Bell. Christana Loken, Cynthia Rothrock. Oh, it's a cast of complete duds. <laughs> it really is like a cast of duds, dude. I was like, oh my god, it's it's terrible. Like, uh, let me see. Let me see if I can find that cast listing. Uh Cynthia Rothrock. Yes. Let's let's go to her IMDB. Let me find the name of this gem. It is Mercenaries, yes mercenaries it is her oh here we go it is brigitte nielsen vivica fox oh my god zoe bell christana loken and cynthia rothrock let me let me uh pull this up so you guys can see this because this my friends this is oscar territory right there there it is they're the best man for the job because you know they got to remind everybody that they're chicks If I were Sylvester Stallone and I saw this picture, I would cringe. It would probably wake me up out of a cold sweat. Because look at it. Like, Christiana Loken, okay. Zoe Bell, alright. But look at Vivica Fox. Yo, can she even blink with all the Botox in her face? They did a whole shitload of freaking Photoshop on Cynthia Rothrock. Oh, you're not kidding. Dude, look at Brigitte Nielsen. Doesn't she look like Frank Langella's Skeletor from Masters of the Universe? Look out! Look out! All I want to say to that is, where's Karg? Yo, with the white hair, she is Karg. Yo, Brigitte Nielsen is Karg. Look, look at look at this face. I can't even zoom in if I wanted to. Why would you want to? Because you you guys have to observe the beauty of of Brigitte Karg Nielsen. Jesus Christ. Dude, and then it's like, Vivica Fox, we understand you did Sharknado and it got you some press, but no. No. Stop it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I figured I, I'd share that with you guys because it is it is, uh, it is, is so bad. Val says, Steven Seagal is a piece of shit, though. He turned it down because of um Van Damme. And then Val says, the chick who plays Red Sonia. Wasn't that Brigitte Nielsen? It was. It was Brigitte Exactly. So Karg, a.k.a. Brigitte Nielsen, a.k.a. Lana in 40 years. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> Definitely not. But yeah, we're going to get a female Expendables, and uh, we'll probably get another Expendables film. As long as we get more Wesley Snipes, I can live with that. Um, box office-wise, uh, very strong showing by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, earning $65 million and a sequel as well. 
Of course, you can see the review for that on MyTakeRadio.com and RageWorks.net. Guardians of the Galaxy was number two, earning $41.5 million, bringing its total to $175.9 million. Uh, Twister two after po- all the bad press turtles has received, I want to see which of them is on top after this week. Well, you know what the funny thing is about turtles, and I, and uh, you know I'm glad you set it up for me. I I saw turtles, I enjoyed it Cut thoroughly. I said I I saw I saw turtles and I enjoyed it thoroughly, and I went in with zero expectations of it being any good. But then certain aspects of it, I can understand the logic and. This was something I, I discussed in my review, and I'm, I'm going to mention on air now. You're creating a new set of turtles for a new generation of kids and allowing them to connect with children differently. Like, everybody's like, oh, was, why does Donatello have glasses? And I said, well, if you're a kid and you like Donatello and you wear glasses, you're going to feel more connected with the cooler turtle because he wears glasses. You know, same thing with Michelangelo being smaller or Raphael being bigger. Or Leonardo being the, the leader. Whatever the case is, you're creating a brand new incarnation for a brand new set of eyes, for a brand new universe. If you're a purist, you're obviously going to nitpick. But it's not a movie that's exclusively made for longtime fans. There's a lot of great fan service, because there is. There's a lot of awesome fan service. You know, um, the intro from the cartoons, there's a scene where they pretty much replicate it frame by frame, which looks pretty awesome. We get the Turtles van. I'm not going to spoil how, but we get it. You know, there's a lot of little things in there. Oh, by the way, um, William Fickner is not Shredder, so don't think that Shredder is a, is a, is a, is a middle-aged white guy. He is not. But overall, I, I like that. I like that the Turtles look unique and different because it helps people connect with them. I liked Raphael. I liked that Raphael was, was a battle-hardened turtle. He had scars. His shell had cracks. You know what I mean? Like you could tell he was a street fighter. He's that type of a of a of an individual. The same way you can tell that Michelangelo shell, you know, he's he's kind of a little bit more a younger dude and he had he always had the skateboard with him. Which again is 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 apropos for his a character. Younger dude when they're all the same age. Well, you know, he looks he he carries himself younger. You know what I mean? Less mature. They're all the same age, but you know what? How many of us are the same age and some of us are immature pieces of shit too? Come on, dude. How many how many 30-year-old 30, 30 motherfuckers you know that still act like they're 17? <laughs> exactly. I know 30-year-old motherfuckers who live with their mama. Yeah, but, 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 but again, those, that's different. But I'm just talking about personality traits. And that's what I'm saying. Like, sure, the movie had some, some obvious flaws. And, and, they, and they are obvious. Like, like, too much April O'Neil, too much Megan Fox, but... It's like this is what we paid the bitch for, so she got to be on screen. I understand that, but it was it was a fun, unique experience. That's that's the best way to put it. Flaw number one, it was made. I saw that. <laughs> but but listen, I I understand where you're coming. No, but you know what it is, dude. I understand where you're coming from, and we could say the same thing about Transformers. But you know what, dude? Box office numbers don't lie. You can't erase those. You can't. You know, can't erase them. It's like, yeah, this movie's going to suck. But that's also why I want to see the second week numbers, because when Transformers came out, a lot of people said good things about it. I right. was one of the few naysayers. I haven't seen Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so I'm not really saying anything too much about it. But right. a lot of people said it fucking sucked. 
Yeah, but you know what it is? A lot of people went in. Let, let me tell you. I went in to a, 10, a, a 1 o'clock show. And, and you know me. I love going to early shows. But I went to a 1 o'clock show, and it was full. I got to see the movie. It was full. You know who the majority of the demographic was in that theater? Please tell me. People you want to set on fire that are under four feet tall. Thank you. And you know what they all did? They cheered. They laughed. They liked the humor. You know, it was approachable. The fight choreography was good. But again, not for me, for them. You know how many kids walked out putting, you know, putting on and tying on the little bandanas that they were giving out at the box office? All of them. Kids coming out tied with bandanas tied as Raphael. Kids coming out with bandanas tied as Donatello. And you know what was over those purple bandanas? Glasses. See you know what's really sad about that? See what I'm saying? No, no. I see what you're saying, but what's really sad about that is, like, these kids that are growing up right now are growing up with a crop of shitty movies. They are. And this is why, you know, myself today am saying that is because you think about when we were that age, what were we sitting there with our parents watching? The Goonies. That's right. Shit like Hook, you know, Rest in Peace, Robert Williams. We were watching kids' movies that were actually good. This is true. But you also you also have to look at it. When you look at, at things like Hook, The Goonies, um, what other what other good one can we use? Home Alone. When the you, Last Starfighter. Yeah, The Last Starfighter. When you use films like that as an example, you have to look back that we did have some shitty movies too. I mean, we could talk about Munchies. We could talk about Critters. We could talk about Garbage Pail Kids. Yeah, we could talk about kids, no, 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 no. I know. I'm just talking about shitty movies. I'm not. I'm not going by genre. But I'm just talking. You know, Garbage Pail Kids. All, all these, all these. You know, these gems. Rawhead Rex. If you're, a, if you're a horror, if you're a horror fan, the fact is that we had, we had our fair share of shitty movies. But the beauty of those shitty movies is that they are now cult classics. And and twenty. The thing is. A movie like Teenage, this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is not going to be a cult classic. No, it is not. It's going to go. It's going to come and go. And the kids that the, the kids that are, are watching that you, you were in that theater with, when they're our age, they're going to be like, "Wow, that movie was really a piece of shit." Or they're not even going to remember it because we live in an era of so much content consumption. It's not even going to matter. By the time they're talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they'll be doing a a remake of. Here's a good one. They'll be doing a remake of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon that's on now. <laughs> How's that? And it's true. That's how it's going to be. You're right. It's true. But and, and this is where this. I, is, I just mean that it's sad that these kids are not going to have anything to to really look back on fondly. Well, I was. Like, how many really good? So I mean, not even the kids right now. They can't even look back at like Harry Potter and shit. Kids. That's for the previous generation. Right. Well, I was talking I was talking to a guy I work with. He's younger than me. And he said, I said, dude, if I ask you to name me cult classics in your demographic, I said, just, just for shits and giggles. He said, all right. He goes, well, I'd probably say, like, super bad. And, you know, I'd say Anchorman. I'd say uh, Step Brothers. You know, just like when you go into that genre, you know, um, 
what the hell was the other one he said? Uh, paranormal activity, like, like, can like you're you're listening to this list, and he's telling me these cult classics, and as I'm telling them to you, I can probably I hear you cringing through the phone, you know. The thing is, is I, I would call some of those movies classic, you know, in a few years, but not cult classic. Right, like, but cult you know, classic to me is shit that's so bad that it's good. Cult classic to me is Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon, Big Cold Trouble in Little China. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Oh, fuck that. I got one better. The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. I'll even go better than that. Fucking Remo Williams. Oh, yeah. The Remo. Adventure begins. The Adventures of Ford Fairlane with Andrew Dice Clay. That's a cult classic. There you I go. own that shit. Dude, Naked Gun, the first one, with OJ rolling down the stairs in the wheelchair and flying over the barricade. Fucking, that was like the last great hurrah for Andrew Dice Clay. He holds up a drink. He says, here's to you. Suck in my dick. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Uh, Dark <laughs> Helmet said Rocky Horror Picture Show, Little Shop of Horrors. And you know what's funny? Those were cult classics to, like, my brother. So when I watched them, I was like, really? You thought this movie was great? But you see the parallels. Like, my brother, my brother's in going to be 50, and I'm 34. So he's talking Little Shop of Horrors. Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm talking Tom Hanks Bachelor Party, uh, Mannequin, uh, Date with an Angel, Splash, um, Revenge of the Nerds, Porkies. You see what's happening though. The movies that I, that he thinks yeah, were called every, classics. Every movie Tom Hanks made before he went serious, right? Is but, a classic. But you see what I'm saying? The movies he said were great. I watch and I'm like, eh. And then the people that watch our movies are probably like, eh. Like, here's a good one. I remember I watched the original Hairspray. I think it was from 1966, I believe. And it was funny, but it wasn't like, oh, my God, this is amazing. You see what I'm saying? But those are the parallels, and that's why I try to tell people when they instantly shit on the the turtles. Don't get me wrong. It's not the greatest movie ever. But when their arguments are... They have teeth and nostrils. I'm like, all right, the teeth, negligible. But turtles have nostrils. <laughs> like, like you, I would be more freaked out if I looked at the old cartoons because they had no nostrils. How did they breathe? Were they always just talking around like, ah, ah, Splinter, ah, ah, I can only breathe through my mouth. <laughs> well, the original, when I say the original, I mean Eastman and Laird Right, right, right. Had nostrils. It's just that in the original cartoon, the artists really weren't so great. So uh, right. kind of skip that shit. Right, but you see what I'm saying. But when I talk, when I when I heard people complaining about it, they go, "It wasn't anything like the '90s cartoon." And I'm like, "They had no noses." Shut up. Well, actually, the original comic they had teeth. Right, there you go. The original the, in the original movie they had teeth. And but, in the original cartoon, they had teeth. Thank you. But How else would you fucking bite into pizza? Listen, I understand they look like Koopas. I understand they look like Ninja Shreks. But this is what happens when you take a turtle and turn it into a person. This shit ain't gonna look they normal. They look like fucking Rampage Jackson painted green. This is true. Well, Raphael especially, but That's Raphael... awful. I'll tell you what, though. Raphael became, like, my favorite out of the movie. Because he was surly as shit. Raphael was always your fucking favorite. No, Michelangelo was my shut favorite up. growing up. When no, I was shut up. No. 
Michelangelo was my favorite growing up, and I had a giant Michelangelo, which still might be in my garage with the fucking nunchucks. But, again, yeah, like... Yeah, but as an adult, Raphael was always his favorite because he's a, a smarmy, surly asshole. Michelangelo... Uh, Raphael is me if I were a big green turtle. <laughs> it, sad but true. But, again, like I said, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, ladies and gentlemen, is not an Oscar-winning film. It's not... First of all... If you if you said that the movie was directed by Michael Bay, I ask that you kindly walk into the nearest intersection and wait for the light to turn green. Michael Bay did not direct the film. Jonathan Livesman directed the film. Michael Bay only produced it. So you know what else Michael Bay produces? Shit. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? As much as much shit as Michael Bay gets, I'd take him over Brett Ratner. See Hercules. That's what I'm saying. Oh, the thing is, Michael Bay produces movies that, if even if it's just production, dude, it's if Michael Bay's name is anywhere on it. When you when you're walking into the theater, check your brain at back at home. Well, you know what it is, dude. Michael or Bay. Don't go see it. Michael Bay creates films that are generated for sensory overload. Dude, it's explosions, it's fast scenes, it's the camera flying around giving you epileptic seizures. It's insane. You know, because like Val just said, Michael Bay trolled everyone because everybody loves bad boys. It's true. Mike Lowry. <laughs> I got I to gotta be real. It's true. Motherfuckers love that. But um, we could beat up Michael Bay a lot. But I will say this. He, he's, he's contemplating not directing the fifth Transformers film. He said it in an interview he did with USA Today while promoting Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He said that he's contemplating giving the directing job to someone else because he wants to do something else. He wants to work on a documentary about elephant poaching, which is a passion project. Transformers Age of Extinction, Age of Extinction according to USA Today, is considered a disappointment domestically. It is struggling to finish up at $250 million, but it has made $1 billion worldwide. What does that and tell you? That's the shit that I understand. Why people make a big deal about what it made domestically if it made a shitload of money worldwide. Like, there you go. Going back to... America. Going back to John Carter, which people always say was a flop. It was not a flop. Worldwide, it was a success. Right. It just it didn't make Disney money here in America. <laughs> that's what that was. That's a nice way of them saying, fuck, you guys here in the U.S. didn't want to see the shit. <laughs> as far as Michael Bay trolling us, Michael Bay made The Rock. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed The Rock. The Rock was an awesome flick. But you know what it was, dude? That was when action movies were fucking action movies, though. Let's be real. Like, action movies now are more watered down than they used to be. Like, they try so hard to make them PG-13 that they don't want to they don't want to take any risk, dude. When The Rock came out, like that was during the same time period where we had The Rock, Con Air. Remember that shit? Like we had that 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 overload of just crazy action flicks. That just it was like Con Air, The Rock, um a couple of year a couple of years earlier we had The Fugitive. Um any Wesley Snipes movie at the time was pretty big. Don't forget Face Off. Dude, Face Off is the is the gold standard, dude, of action movies. Come on, what a predicament! Just fucking John Travolta being a complete creep. Hell, what was the movie with Travolta and Hugh Jackman and Halle Berry where she was naked for the first time 
and the audience pretty much squirted themselves. Sword, dude, remember that? Dude, who gave a fuck about Swordfish back then? But everybody watched it. Everybody. After I watched that movie, I'm like, did I really just sit through this shit? Think about it. Everybody was like, oh, Halle Berry's naked. All right. Then you watch it, you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> that was straight quagmire. Dude, that was straight quagmire right there. Straight, straight creep, creepville. But seriously, it's like nobody gave a shit about that movie, but that was an action flicks where, like, oh, it's some guy named Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry's boobs, and Travolta with a bad goatee. Fuck it, I'll watch it. Now motherfuckers won't go see a movie unless it's unless it's seventy nine percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like yo, get out of here, fucking soft motherfuckers. The the people that go on Rotten Tomatoes to figure out how they're gonna see a movie are the same people that complain about the GQ magazine with the scantily clad girl that came in their lands end box. That's that's fact. It's like it's like the shittiest movies are the ones like if we here's a here's a homework assignment. Take every movie, every action, horror or comedy that you enjoyed during your teenage years and and run them through and lo- and try and see if they're on Rotten Tomatoes. I guarantee you everyone thinks they're shit. <laughs> I'm telling you, like if you look up Grandma's Boy on Rotten Tomatoes, that shit isn't fresh in the least. <laughs> I'd find fresher shit in a litter box. Grandma's boy was pretty terrible, but I still love it. But 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 you get what I'm saying. Like it's exactly what you just said is exactly what that embodies. Anyway, so Terry Crews did an interview with IGN talking about that he wants to play Luke Cage, and of course Marvel is working on a Luke Cage series on Netflix to go alongside Daredevil, um, and of course leading up to a Defender series. I actually like this casting. I think Terry Crews would make a really good Luke Cage. What do you think? I I agree. Terry, I don't Cru- think many people could could play a good Luke Cage other than Terry Crews. He has the right attitude for it. Yeah, he he definitely has it. And you know what it is? It's it's all about. You don't want to have a caricature of seventies Luke Cage. You know what I mean? With the big yellow shirt and the and the and the random and the random tiara on. Like you want. Black T-shirt and jeans, Luke Cage that trains the Avengers and shit. So, but go ahead. there should be a scene in there where he wings around the tiara just for shit and giggle. Oh yeah, it'd be hilarious. You know what it is? I I really hope that if we get the Luke Cage series, they actually put Misty Knight in there because Misty Knight was always an awesome side character for Luke Cage along with Iron Fist. Oh shit, Val says. You can't, yeah, might as well go with that because you can't cast Michael Jai White as every black superhero. <laughs> he really is like, de- he is like what I used to say and, and my wife used to laugh about it. I said, just make Ryan Reynolds every superhero. Every douchey superhero should be Ryan Reynolds. I really can't argue with that. <laughs> That's how it is. Like, Ryan Reynolds is easily typecast as every douchey hero. But, um,. Speaking of douchey heroes, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy obviously making a shitload of money, but Vin Diesel gave an interesting nugget of information that a lot of people are really, really um, dissecting with a very big microscope. He said um, he took a picture with Groot and he published it on Facebook and he said, Vin and Marvel, you all made it happen. I get the strange feeling that Marvel thinks I'm inhuman. Ha ha ha. 
So, by me reading that to you, can you catch what everybody was talking about? I'm going to say this because I actually like Vin Diesel, but not the greatest actor. Nope, definitely Vin not. Vin Diesel as Black Bolt. Very good. Why? And that, and that is exact. Why? Go ahead. Because he doesn't speak. I'm, not, I'm not asking you why. Oh, because Black Bolt doesn't <laughs> speak, and when he does, planets get destroyed. There you go. But but they have to say shit. There you They'll go. Say one word the whole movie and something will get destroyed. But think about it. Think about the fact that he teased that and he wrote it like that. Like, oh, you know, Marvel must think I'm inhuman. Dude, everybody's like, yeah, the in and then of course, the minute that that got out, everybody's like, yeah, they're going to do an inhuman movie. And I you know what it is? If you're doing Guardians of the Galaxy, doing inhumans at this point makes fucking sense. Yeah, I would agree with that. Especially because there's such I a... I mean, they're, they're trying to do fucking everything. Let, let, let's be real. They're trying yep. to do everything. They are trying to do everything, but you know what it is? Every part of the every part that they're trying to put out actually ties together. So if you do something like the Inhumans, it ties into Guardians of the Galaxy. It does. Now, I, I w everybody talks about Black Bolt, you know, as Vin Diesel being Black Bolt. I always saw him as Gladiator. With the big mohawk and shit. Well, I mean, Jim Diesel's also good at playing a gigantic asshole, so maybe. Yep, but I figured I figured I would bring that up, but it was funny when he wrote it because everybody's like, oh shit, he's going to be in Inhumans, you know? Val well, says... I mean, we'll see. I mean, even if he's in the movie, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be in a gym. Exactly, but you know what I think it is? I think he agreed to do Groot under the premise that he would get a leading role in a film. You know, like, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. So, I wouldn't be shocked if they do it. And I'm sure that if they do it with him involved, they'll keep the budget small. I mean, you know, Inhumans is going to require a lot of effects anyway. But it's an interesting story to tell because the Inhumans, if you do everything consisting, you know, taking place off-world, like Guardians of the Galaxy, I don't think you're going to be able to capture lightning in a bottle twice. Honestly. That's just me. Uh, I mean, I mean, Marvel's been pulling some shit out of their ass lately. I mean, no, I agree. I agree, but, but they, they're capable of. But Guardians was a huge gamble, dude. That could have gone either way. I agree. You know, I mean, Val says it's gonna suck. Marvel is sixty forty on their shit. Marvel Disney is throwing shit at the wall and hoping it sticks. He says Vin needs Riddick making money. He hasn't gotten his Fast Seven check yet. <laughs> <laughs> so. Switching gears a little bit, I did want to talk about um, Lionsgate and Saban announced a release date for the Power Rangers reboot. Big fucking shocker there. Uh, the studio will be releasing the film July 22nd, 2016. Uh, the film is being written by Zach Stentz and Ashley Miller, who wrote X-Men First Class and Thor. And it's being based on a story from producer Roberto Orsi. Of course, it's going to be a modern take on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which we all know all too well. Um, I have no problem with this. Again, if they did the Turtles and they did the Transformers, at this point, Power Rangers isn't even a shock to me. You know what I'd like to see? And this is super obscure. I'd like to see a Walt Disney, um, you know, Pixar-style version of the Bionic 6. Even on the right for that? I don't even, I don't, I don't even know if they do, but the reason I'd like to see that is because the Bionic 6 embodied... Um, the the multi ethnic family dynamic that's present now. Yeah, 
And the only other thing that I would probably give Michael Bay would be Mask. Come on, dude, you gotta. Yeah, because I mean, there wouldn't be too much thought to it, though. He, he can pull that off. Dude, and, 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 and automakers just love giving him cars to blow up. <laughs> it's a no-brainer at this point. True. So, I, I saw that Val mentioned Bad Boys 3 in there. It seems that when Martin Lawrence was on Conan to promote partners with Kelsey Grammer... He did mention that Bad Boys 3 is in the works. He said, I believe so, yes. I spoke to Jerry Bruckheimer yesterday, and he said that it is real, and they're working on a script, they're getting close, and it all looks good. I'm like, so you're going to wait till Will Smith is like 50. <laughs> Mike Lowry, yo grandfather. <laughs> Dude, come on. Like, like, like Bad Boys 2... Let, let me see. Bad Boys 2. Let's. Been a good 10 years. Yep. Bad Boys 2 came out in 2003. The original Bad Boys came out in 1995. What does that tell you? Getting a little longer in the tooth. Dude, it's like, it's like, it's like Martin and Lawrence and Will Smith. Martin Wilson. Lawrence is not getting saner. He's not getting saner, and the characters are going to be old. Like, Martin Lawrence's kids are going to be cops in the next movie. See, Val said Michael B. Jordan will play Will Smith's son who will take the torch. I wouldn't even be shocked because when you need young black dude, Michael B. Jordan is your guy. It's got to be Michael B. Jordan and Damon Wayans Jr. Yes. If Michael B. Jordan beefs up, he'll take Michael J. White's spot as every black superhero. <laughs> Come on, Michael J. White still needs to play Black Panther. <laughs> So, aside from Bad Boys 3, I did want to throw out some sequel news regarding Godzilla. It looks like Godzilla 2 will be coming into theaters June 18th, 2018. The Alpha Predator will return, and it looks like he will not be alone, as we will be seeing Rodan, Mothra, and King Ghidorah on screen as well. Obviously, Godzilla, with its $507.7 million worldwide box office budget, off a $160 million initial budget is it's ridiculous i mean uh, a a 507 million dollar gross and a 160 million dollar budget it's a no-brainer we would get that asap now seeing rodan mothra and king Ghidorah on screen the the kaiju fan in me is incredibly hype i'm interested in seeing how they do that one dude king Ghidorah and with with the technology we got now holy shit giant three-headed dragon shooting lightning bolts going like a like a strangled turkey count me the fuck in monster's gonna look like a giant butterfree you know it dude super super crazy cgi <laughs> rodan's just gonna be some shit uh, reject from jurassic park it's gonna be great be fantastic so and i'm sure you're gonna want this and this will be the last bit of entertainment news to wrap things up uh we are coming up on the 25th anniversary of Tim Burton's Batman film. As you can see, they are going to be releasing a 25th anniversary Diamond Edition set from Warner Brothers for Batman, which will be released November 11th. This two-disc set will be $24.98. It's going to have the Diamond Lux packaging, and it's going to have the documentary Batman, The Birth of a Modern Blockbuster, plus a whole bunch of extra stuff as well. Obviously, 
uh, 25th anniversary of Batman is going to be a big deal because uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't be where we are if Tim Burton wouldn't have taken the gamble of sticking Michael Keaton in a costume where he couldn't turn his fucking head. So, <laughs> with that said, you know, definitely very cool. What do you think? I think the the guys at Marvel who are swimming in money need to go suck Tim Burton's dick and say thank you. Seriously. Dude, if Tim Burton didn't take that gamble, we wouldn't be where we are. These these are the facts. No. We wouldn't we wouldn't be anywhere near where we are. And don't get me wrong, Tim Burton did two great Batman movies and then passed it on to Joe Schumacher who shit on it, but still, dude, that Batman Returns besides as being Batman Returns has the honor of being not only one of my favorite Batman films, but my favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> But that's because you're a disturbed individual. Yeah, but but think about it, dude. Before we watch The Dark Knight and Bane and, and all of that shit, you have to admit, Batman Returns embodied what Batman was all about. It was dark. It was brooding. There was the right amount of, you know, cute little quips here and there. They made the Penguin a fucking pervert. Michelle Pfeiffer looked legit. Every Every piece of casting for that movie was on point. Well, that's because Tim Burton is like a master of imagery. Oh, dude, it was it was insane. Imagery Those... and dark shit. Yep, it was it was fantastic. I mean, I liked oh. what they did with the penguin. You know, the 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 flipper hands and the giant onesie. I mean, even him riding around in a giant duck, as stupid as it sounded, made it. He made it work. Made it work. And when freaking Selena Kyle fell to her supposed death. And the cats are all licking the blood and shit. Dude, but that's, that, that, like, imagine that. And I liked how you said it. Like, like Marvel, all these movies, it's like Tim Burton got the ball rolling. He, he initiated that. He was the guy that said, listen, this is how we're going to start setting the stage. And then it just, it just went from there. And, you know, a lot of people, were, there, there was a very interesting uh, comment that somebody made on Twitter because everybody was like, oh, you know, all these pictures of Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne and blah, 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 and it doesn't look as good, and uh, we're worried. And somebody said the best thing. If, if you want to ease your fears, you have to look at Batman the same way we look at James Bond. Every few years, James Bond changes. Every few years, Batman changes. Simple as that. And if anybody can embody James Bond, it's Batman, you know? I under I understand, you know, we all want we all wanna you know, we, we we wanted guys like Michael Keaton to continue playing Batman. We wanted those guys. We wanted guys like Christian Bale to keep playing Batman, but eventually money and age are a factor. But we, we, we really just wanted to keep laughing at Christian Bale and that voice. We did want to keep laughing at that, but you know Although what the, we didn't like him as Batman, but let's be honest, we just wanted to keep laughing at him. We did, we did, we did want to keep making fun of them, but, but, you know, and I, and I'm, and I'm, I'm glad you bring that up, but people just need to accept that. Like, sp same thing with Spider-Man. Spider-Man is a teenager or a young adult. You can't have a 40-year-old Tobey Maguire donning fucking spandex. The shit's not gonna work. <laughs> These are the fucking facts, people. I hate to break it to you. It's, it's not gonna happen. Even, even, even right now. You got Ben Affleck playing old Bruce Wayne and old Batman. You want to know why? Because that motherfucker's old. But when he gets too old, guess what happens? Beat it. Scram. 
and they'll start going back to a younger guy, man. You know what I mean? Same and t- probably when they when they do, you know, if they ever do get to do a Justice League movie, they'll probably use a younger guy. They might use a younger Batman, but it's the same thing. The same uh, another another great example, and, and you know, this, we'll use this to wrap things up. Is Superman? Superman is a guy that doesn't age. When Henry Cavill starts to look a little fucking old, we're gonna need a new Superman. <laughs> Hate to break it to you, motherfuckers. So enjoy it while it lasts. That dude is not gonna bathe in the blood of fifty virgins to stay young. Sorry. Motherfuckers get old. I like how Hugh Jackman said it. He goes, check this out. I'm getting old, and it's taking me more and more work to get into this ridiculously sick shape to play Wolverine for you fucks. So here's what I'm going to do. The next time I play Wolverine, he is going to be Old Man Logan. That way, I can be Old Man Hugh Jackman. You're welcome. (laughs) There you go. TRT. Half those motherfuckers are on TRT now. You think Ben Affleck is in fucking shape with, with with regular help? He's got three kids and Jennifer Garner yelling at him. I'm washing the car. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> That's what Ben Affleck is yelling. Oh man, Ben, you want some chowder? Nah, I'm washing the car. No, not happening. Terrible. So. There you have it. With that said, that is going to wrap up the entertainment news for this week. Do you have anything you want to add? No, I'm good, man. All right, my dude. I appreciate the assist as we go into the next level with MTR. I'll catch you later. All right, man. Peace. Peace. There you have it. Make sure to follow Slick on Twitter at MTR Slick. That is going to wrap up episode 239 of My Take Radio. Before we close out the show, I just want to recap. Uh, Earlier on this evening, I announced the formation of Rageworks, which will be the parent company of My Take Radio and every other brand that My Take Radio will be involved in. This is going to include our stable of shows, including My Take Radio, MTR Behind the Mic, MTR Beyond the Mic, The Buried Show, and other assorted content as well. Rageworks.net will be launching next week. As for MyTakeRadio.com, that will remain your source for all things My Take Radio, meaning Uh, past episodes, current episodes, plus live content as well. Uh, The other shows, MTR Behind the Mic, MTR Beyond the Mic, and The Buried Show will also be on the site, and those shows will no longer be app-exclusive anymore. They will just be standard content going forward. Our intentions are to make the My Take Radio app free before the year is out. That's another thing I wanted to share with you guys. So, RageWorks.net will go online hopefully next week. And we will start making social media account announcements as well. Um, Our intention probably is taking My Take Radio on Twitter and turning it into Rageworks. Again, if anything changes, we will definitely be announcing that on on the My Take Radio Facebook fan page going forward. Anyway, it's exciting times for MTR. I am excited to share this journey with you guys. And we are going to be taking things to a whole other level going forward. On behalf of myself, Slick, Jay, Quark, Blade, um, the rest of the MTR family, the rightist, um, our colleagues at Royal Flush Magazine and VGN, I will catch you guys next week. Thank you all for listening. And as always, if you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can find My Take Radio currently on Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. All right, let's get the hell out of here. Shall we? All right.
outro music and outro. All right, let's give a little love to our friends at OC Remix. Uh, definitely got some new tracks on deck for them in the coming weeks. But for now, we're going to go out with an old favorite of mine, and that is going to be uh, Street Fighter 2's Frets of Fury, and the artist is Vertex Guy. You can download that and any of the other previously used outro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. G.